Oscar Pistorius will appear in court for a second time later this morning in connection with the death of his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp, who's accused of murdering at his home in Pretoria. The Paralympian denies the charge and intends to apply for bail. His court appearance comes on the same day as a memorial service for Reva Steenkamp. The horsemeat scandal has continued to spread across Europe, with beef pasta meals made by the world's biggest food manufacturer, Nestle, being withdrawn from shelves in Italy and Spain. The company said horse DNA above 1% had been found in Butoni beef ravioli and tortellini ready meals. They've been withdrawn and all Nestle beef products are being tested. Elderly residents of sheltered flats in Luton are being told their mementos are a health and safety risk. The Borough Council is ordering pensioners at Wheatfield Court to remove all personal paintings and ornaments from shared areas, insisting it's for their own good. Resident Graham Wright begs to differ. It'll be like a prison in here, are we? It'll be like walking down the corridors of Woodhill in Milton Keynes. Are they coming round on Wednesday? putting bars up against the windows, changing it to HMP Wheatfield call. Who knows? Hertfordshire's Tory leaders are being accused of having a DIY attitude to potholes. The county's Liberal Democrats claim their request for the roads to be assessed for damage after the recent snow was dismissed by the Conservatives, who said they'd only be checking main roads. Lib Dem councillor Malcolm... uh, says that it's not good enough to leave fault reporting to residents, many of whom have no idea how the system works. In sport, Watford are at Ipswich tonight in the Championship with defender Joel Ekstrand back in the squad. The Hornets are third in the table at the moment. And the weather foggy and frosty this morning, dry and brighter later with a top temperature of 8 degrees Celsius. That's 46 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. If I came to your house, Kath, yeah. could I look at your knickknacks? You can. You can have a, have a rifle through. Excellent. It's good to know. We'll talk more about this knick-knack story in a little bit. Presidents told they can't have their knick-knacks on display in public areas in... The, no, 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 no. We'll discuss it later on. We'll speak to the council and find out why. Lots coming up on the show this morning. As always... Keen to get your uh, opinions on it. Lots of phone calls yesterday, which was wonderful. Keep that going, please. Speaking in a minute about, about a Hertfordshire couple who refused to move to a smaller council house because one of the bedrooms is dedicated to their son who died ten years ago. How much sympathy have you got for them? 08459 455 555. Potholes. Noticed a few of them around beds, hearts and bucks? There's loads, aren't there? Well, you might have to fill them in yourself, according to opposition councillors in Hertfordshire. And fat balls. Have the birds started tucking into your fat balls? We talked about this last week, and we've been told by you how the birds were ignoring them. Well, we'll catch up from Paul uh, with Paul from Biggleswade as we uh, pursue our new, fe- new feature this morning, Paul's Balls. We'll be having a look at Paul's balls a bit later on and finding out if anyone's touched them. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please, otherwise it don't get read. Oh, look, I have a completely empty switchboard. Who wants to be the first caller on the show today? You? Do you want to be the first caller? Well, then give me a call now. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this is this is fascinating. Have a listen to this because I really need to get your opinions on this. I can see I completely see both sides of the story. 
A couple from Hertfordshire are refusing to move to a smaller council house because they haven't changed their son's room since he died from cancer ten years ago. Cheryl and Michael Chapman have lived in the same three-bedroom house in Welland Garden City for 23 years. Due to bedroom tax changes coming into effect in April, they've now been told to downsize or pay £31 extra a week. Well, Cheryl spoke to our reporter, Jessica Cooper, about her son, Anthony. We're stood at the moment in, in what was An- Anthony's room, um, and around us there's lots of things that are uh, reminders of him, including the Tottenham Hotspur uh, curtains and a scarf up here, but also lots of photos. And you've kept this room the same for years, haven't you? Yes, we have, yes. It's to remember him by, and it was, it was, this was how he had his room set up. You haven't got a bed in here anymore, uh, but you, you've put two computer desks in here, so you have adapted it slightly, but the majority of the room you're keeping the same. We only changed this last year. This room was his room up until last year when we decided, OK, then we put the computers in here. It was time. It had been ten years, so we thought, yeah, OK, let's start going into the room and because we hadn't used it at all. Um, my husband, he wouldn't, he would hardly ever come in here. It's quite hard for him to... It was to start with when we first put the computers in here for him to come in and sit at the desk sort of thing and knowing that, yeah, his son was... This was his son's bedroom. We feel closer to him in this room. It's still light outside when we're talking, but the curtains are shut and, and the light's on. Is that, again, a... A conscious decision to keep the light on in here. Yes, it was. Yes, uh, we got home from the hospice that day, and the light went on, and it hasn't been off since. It was just so that he could always find the house. I know it may sound silly, but it was for us. It was well, keep your light on, so that you can always find your way home. You recently been approached by the council to do with the bedroom tax changes. What did they say to you when they came to see you about about having extra rooms? They said that we could um, either downsize or we'd have to pay for the extra rooms. Because we've got two rooms, we'd have to pay 25%, about £31. And how do you feel about that then, either move or pay more? We don't want to move. We will just have to find the money to stay here. Even if we have to go without stuff, then we will stay in this house and try to find money to pay for these bedroom tax. And what are the main reasons why you don't want to move? One, the bedroom, and also is that our son is buried over at Hatfield Hyde and the council gave us that plot because my mobility isn't too good. Um, so they gave us a plot that's five, ten minutes away. If we move, then I'm not going to be that close to him. People listening to this who, who might be the people who are thinking they really could benefit with a bigger property and to hear that there are two of you here in a three-bedroom house, can you understand why some people might be thinking that you should go to somewhere smaller? Why do you need three bedrooms? Oh, I can understand what people thinking, oh, yeah, you should get out because you only need so many rooms sort of thing. You've got too many rooms. And I feel sorry for those people that are waiting on the list to get rehoused. We use one of the rooms because my husband sleeps in there um, because of medical reasons. We can't some nights sleep in the same bed together. And, of course, this room is our son's room. And we promised him ten years ago that nobody will sleep in this room. And nobody has. I'm not breaking a promise. What do you think about that? 08459 455 555. Very sad. They lost their son through cancer. No, no parent should have to bury their child. That's not the natural order of things. And that, that shouldn't happen. Very sad. But it was ten years ago. 
What do you think? 08459 455 555. In a statement, Welland Hatfield Borough Council said approximately 900 council homes will be affected by bedroom tax changes from April, and they've sent out advice letters. They said they can only advise Cheryl and Michael of their options. Quote, if they wish to remain in their property and receive less housing benefit, then by all means, that's, this is their choice. Neither the benefit service nor the trust has any intention of placing pressure on them to transfer to a smaller property. Unquote. Well, in about an hour, I'll be speaking to Cheryl and a bereavement counsellor. Very sad. They've had to bury their son. But is it fair that other families should suffer? Other families that could do with this extra room will be denied that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can text 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on, please. Otherwise, I'm not going to read it out. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. And when the ceiling glows with marks and sparks And Fred has got sparks from red then up the south From his face, funky little boat The television man is crazy Sam with juvenile delinquent Rex Out there, you, you with the glasses. You, you with the glasses. 
OK, here's a phone-in. Here's a phone-in for you. When have you been spoken to? Well, you've been in the audience of a concert and the singer has said something to you from the stage. Oh, yes. 08459 455 555. I went to see uh, a great band, Arthur Lee in Love. You won't know who they are. It doesn't matter. And I kept shouting out for this one song, for the whole thing. I was being an irritating person. Very irritating. And then he just stopped the show and went, OK, this guy's getting on my nerves. I'm going to sing a song for this guy here. That was for me. When have you been in the audience and uh, either someone in the play or in a rock group or in a band or in a show or something has said something to you? Maybe, and this is great, because we went to see my my three-year-old boy in his first Christmas show. Uh, Christmas, obviously. Uh, And he spoke to us during the show. He was sat there and he kept waving at us, very gently, just waving. Then he'd he'd poke his tongue out at us. And then then there was a song that was quite short and he said, Mama, that song was really short. When have you been in the audience for something and someone on the stage has said something to you directly? 08459 455 555. Right. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, no major problems out there this morning. It's all looking fairly good on the sensors. Motorways in particular running fairly well, actually. All looking good heading down the western stretch of the M25 in both directions. And the M1 really not looking too bad, actually. We had a lot of problems yesterday morning around Stevenage, but it is looking like it's moving fairly nicely at the moment. Usual delays and also not causing too much of a problem at the moment. The North Orbital Road looking good, as is the A48 as well. And uh, don't forget, it is very foggy out there this morning, so do be aware heading out on the road. Uh, it's looking uh, particularly tricky out there, actually, just due to the weather. Trains and tubes, however, are still looking very good. No problems to update you with on the departure boards there. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. 6.15 exactly. It's Tuesday the 19th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple from Welling say they would rather go hungry when bedroom tax comes in than give up the room they've been keeping as a shrine to their dead son. The jury in the Rachel Manning murder trial have failed to reach a verdict at Luton Crown Court, so there'll now be a retrial. In sport, Watford are at Ipswich tonight in the Championship with defender Joel Ekstrand back in the squad. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Foggy and frosty this morning, drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 8 degrees. And coming up, insurers, the AA, say the number of cars damaged by potholes in roads has doubled over the last year. We'll find out more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. When you need local news. The passenger's been banned from EasyJet flights for the rest of his life. The consumer group Which says more than half the UK's train companies have a customer satisfaction score of 50% or lower. When you need local travel. We're recovering an accident, one car involved southbound at Sutton Road. Not again central to Watford Junction and London Euston, delayed by 15 minutes. When you need local weather. Then we'll see temperatures drop to minus one, minus two degrees Celsius. A widespread frost into tomorrow morning. BBC Three Counties Radio and bbc.co.uk slash three counties So, when have you ever been at, at a concert or at a show and someone on stage has said something to you? Kelly Betts, member of our team, has just messaged me. One of the singers from the Brotherhood of Man stopped singing and told me I had lovely eyes. I think it was the Brotherhood of Man. It could have been Bucks Fizz. They're the same thing, yeah? Right, well, they're not the same thing, Kelly Betts, but it works. 08459 455 555. When have you been at a concert or a show? I was at a, um, I went to see, this was years ago, Kevin Spacey. 
in The Iceman Cometh, which is one of those plays. When a play has two intervals, you know you're in for a long night. It was three and a half hours long. Okay, He didn't say this to me, but I thought this was so cool. It, it, really intense drama. It was a drama. And about two hours into it, someone's mobile phone went off in the audience. And Kevin Spacey stepped forward, pointed at the man and said, tell them we're busy. And then went straight back into the play. How cool is that? When have you been in the audience of a play, a concert, a kid's show, and someone in the show has spoken to you? 08459 455 555. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Include your name, please. Maybe we'll speak to you after this. It's a bit of Benny King. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So darling, darling, stand by me Oh, stand by me Oh, stand Stand by me Stand by me If the sky that we look upon Should tumble and fall Or the mountain should crumble I won't cry, I won't cry, no I won't shed a tear Just as long as you stand, stand by me everywhere and not a drop to drink. No, hang on, that's wrong. But they're the scourge of motorists, cyclists, pedestrians, and they're at their worst following weeks of cold and wet weather. Just everywhere at the moment, aren't they? Uh, and, And some of them are huge. Insurers, the AA, say the number of cars damaged by potholes in roads has doubled over the last year. Now, opposition councillors in Hertfordshire claim it may be down 
to you to fill in some potholes as the council has stopped inspecting all but the main roads. Well, Chris Peck is from the National Cycling Charity, CTC. Morning, Chris. Good morning. What impact has, has the bad weather had on the number of potholes on our roads, do you think? Well, we've seen a massive increase in a reporting site we use called Fill That Hole. We set it up about five or six years ago. And uh, January was the about highest level we've ever seen uh, in terms of number of potholes reported. And that's absolutely a result of the very wet weather we had. And then, of course, we had a cold spell. Um, all these things combined to make potholes open up much more quickly on our roads. Now, potholes are dangerous. There'll be some people listening to this going, oh, jog on, fellas. It, just explain why they are so uh, dangerous, Chris. Well, obviously, if you're in a car and you hit a pothole, you can damage your wheel. You might have to swerve to avoid it. If you're on a bike, it's much more serious. You know, you, if you go into a pothole, you can come off, you can get a serious injury. Or, indeed, we do know that some people have been killed um, coming off their bikes, having hit potholes. So it is a very serious issue for people on bikes. What are the rules? Because I remember, uh, I was this one of those urban myths that the council... Would o- if, you, if you were going over a pothole in a car and you got a flat tyre or damaged your car, they would only play co- pay compensation if it was an inch deep or something? The, the rule generally is two inches right. for oh. on-road hazard. Um, but the other thing is that the council has to have known previously that the pothole was there right. under, the, under the law as it stands. Now, if Hartford just say they're not going to inspect it anymore, then that's, that's very serious, that they're going to now claim that they won't know the pothole's there. I don't think that will stand up in law or in the court very often, that um, they have a, a, a proper inspection regime going on on these roads. Normally, for minor roads, local authorities have to inspect it usually every six months or a year. If they're not inspecting it at all, then I don't think they're going to have a, a very good case to answer if someone hits a pothole and damages their car or injures themselves. Isn't this all part, though, Chris, of the austerity measures? The, the, the cutbacks are being made everywhere. Potholes, are they really near the top of the list? Well, interestingly, when they do a survey of local authority residents, they find that potholes are very close to the top of the list when it comes to tr- transport matters. People are more worried about potholes than they are about bus services or uh, about litter or these sorts of issues. People really care about potholes. They do find that it's very irritating that they have to uh, swerve around them to their road looks very unsightly because of damaged pavement and so on. So it's, it's, it, it is an issue which people do care about and we feel it's very important. Around 15% of our members who use our legal services start with an injury which involves a pothole. So it is actually a very serious matter for, for our members as cyclists. Chris, do you do, do much cycling abroad? I was wondering how the uh, foreign roads compare to, compared to our roads. Well, in general, yes, our members tell us, and I would certainly agree, that in, in places like France, the roads are in a much better state than they are here, uh, particularly on the minor rural roads, which is really where a lot of cyclists do their, their leisure riding, as it were. And, and that's the kind of the key element, is that in Britain, about 80% of cyclists use these minor road, road networks, whereas here we concentrate our maintenance on the major road network, which, of course, isn't used very much by cyclists. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's sort of... Who, who do you want to, to prioritise, I suppose, is the issue. And I think in, in some other countries, they're looking much more at investing in, in the minor road network, which is good for tourism and for in terms of allowing local traffic to get to and from places they need to get to. And here we sort of concentrate on the major road network. Which Chris, how do, you let you, how do you let fellow cyclists know about potholes? Do, do, is there, do you have a, a pothole website, potholes.com or something? Well, we run this website called fillthathole.org.uk, 
um, which allows you yeah. to report the website. Be careful googling that, young ladies and well, gentlemen. <laughs> I, 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 it is slightly risque. Yes. Uh, but it, that allows you to report the plot hole, and we send it yeah. directly to the council involved, um, who, whose responsibility is the road in question. Uh, you know, over the last five years, we've had thousands and thousands, we've had almost 80,000 potholes reported. Around 30% of them are fixed immediately uh, and we hear back them. A lot more are fixed, but we don't hear back from the local council or the person who's reported it. Half of which we've had about 1,800 potholes reported, but only 20% of them have come back as fixed. Okay, Chris, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Chris Peck from the uh, CTC. Or we can go now to our hole-filling correspondent, Justin Daly. (laughs) Justin, there's there's a website called Fill That Hole that we're legitimately allowed to look at. (laughs) Fantastic. Wonderful. What, what, absolutely brilliant. Love that name. Love it. Whereabouts are you? You're on a pothole hunt today, are you? Absolutely. People have been tweeting about this already. I'm currently in Lucent, but I'm going to be heading off to St Albans. We've had a tweet about this. Apparently, uh, House Lane, leading to the village of Sandridge in St Albans, has terrible potholes. And Ian, to be fair, it's pretty much the same story every single year. That The snow comes, the snow then goes, and we see potholes absolutely everywhere. And they are dangerous, absolutely no doubt about it. About it. People often phone in and they say, my car has been damaged. You know, if you're a motorist and you're going through a pothole, that's one thing. But if you're a cyclist going through a pothole, that's something, of course, entirely different. Do you do much cycling, Justin? No, I don't know. <laughs> you know um, uh, Paul Scoynes? You may, you may have seen Paul Scoynes floating around. He's yes. our political correspondent. Oh, is that him? Yes, yes. He cycled 60 miles, six zero miles at the weekend. Why would you do that? Why? <laughs> Come exactly on. Exactly the question I was thinking. Why? Uh, what what motor would motivate? You can buy motorbikes now that do the, the yeah. same thing but quicker and easier. You can do that. Of course, uh, you can go out and you can have a, a Sunday roast somewhere, but to cycle 16 miles over the weekend, that sounds like hell to me. Absolute it's, hell. It's, so listen, if, if we find, if people send us in their potholes, are you going to go and have a, a little look and take some photos for us? Hopefully so. I'm in the Hertfordshire area. Um, also, lots of people tweeting about Aylesbury as well. On the uh, A41 there, there's a few potholes, and also in central Milton Keynes. So we're going right the way across bed starts and bucks already. People do care about this. I'm in Hertfordshire this morning. Tell us about the worst potholes, and hopefully we as a radio station can inform the right people, and hopefully something can be done about that. Have you got... I know you're in the radio car, the, the Three Counties radio car. Have you got any tarmac in the back or, or anything like that to, to fill <laughs> well, these holes? Hang on a second. There's a high-vis jacket here, so that's a start. There's a high-vis jacket. I'm now going to look for the tarmac, and Ian, by 9 o'clock, you never know, I could solve the pothole problem somewhere in Bed Tarts and Bucks. Justin Daly, I think I really hope you get the chance to, to fill a hole today. Yes, hopefully. Uh, Justin Daly, our uh, hole-filling correspondent. Excellent stuff, indeed. 08459 455 555. We're being slightly flippant, but, but, as you heard, they are dangerous... And they're a pain in the backside, aren't they? Almost literally sometimes. I, for, for recently, I've been doing a lot of driving on the North Circular around London, and there's just a bit when you get near Muswell Hill. Oh, my word! You have to swerve all over the place to try and avoid those bad boys. Going back to this story about the bedroom tax, this, this couple who, uh, whose son died ten years ago, uh, and from April they're going to have to pay about £31 a week extra uh, unless they move to a place with less bedrooms. They've kept uh, their son's bedroom as a shrine to him. Uh, Nick has texted in 81333, starting his text 3CR. Although it's sad to lose anyone, after 10 years, it's time to go forward. I lost my brother and two very close friends within a year, but I know they wouldn't want me to sit and mope over the past. Well, we'll be speaking to the mum uh, a little bit later on. What do you think? Time to move on and let go? 10 years? With the bedroom as a shrine, hardly touched, the curtains drawn, the lights on. 
Is that really healthy? 08459 555 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, still moving nicely out there at the moment. No major problems to update you with. Motorways in particular are still looking good out there on the sensors. And the usual delays not causing too much of a problem, actually. The A414 and the A405 are looking fairly good. That's just the North Orbital Road there. And the A428 heading through Buckingham as well uh, really looks like it's moving fairly nicely on the whole. Now, the trains are still looking good as well on the the, uh, departure boards at the moment. No problems to update you with. It is still very foggy out there this morning, though, so do take extra care out there on the roads. Sophie Tyler, BB. Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Don't forget, we're going to be talking about knickknacks in about five minutes' time. And have you ever been in the audience for something? And either a member of the band or a member of the show, or maybe it was your kids in the show, said something to you during the performance. 08459 455 555. Here's the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30. The headlines, a couple from Wellin say they'd rather go hungry when bedroom tax comes in than give up the room they've been keeping as a shrine to their dead son. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. And Oscar Pistorius will appear in court for a second time later this morning. He's expected to deny murdering his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are into the last eight of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading at Old Trafford last night. Javier Hernandez scored that decisive goal. And now out towards the far side and the goal scorer Nani. Nani's cross, Hernandez 2-0. Nani this time the provider and Hernandez with a header that he couldn't really miss with from point blank range. Manchester United 2, Reading 0. After being knocked out of the cup by Blackburn over the weekend, there's a huge game for Arsenal in the Champions League tonight. Arsene Wenger's side host Bayern Munich in the first leg of their last 16 tie, with Wenger urging his side to prove the critics wrong. Watford are at Ipswich tonight in the Championship, with defender Joel Elkstrand back in the squad. The Hornets are third in the table at the moment. Watford scored four on their travels on Saturday, but manager Gianfranco Zola says he won't be afraid to make changes tonight. You cannot play at the same level three games in a week, in seven days. That is important. Not only you can not play them at the same level but you uh, you can risk a lot of injuries uh, because the intensity of the games is over so I- in League One, Stevenage play Oldham at home tonight and Luton Town are set to make changes for tonight's conference match at Macclesfield. Players cup-tied on Saturday will return to the team. Nathaniel Roturn is back from suspension and Wayne Thomas is available. Manager Paul Buckle has one clear goal tonight. Keep a clean sheet is the biggest thing on the agenda. I think that's the one thing that's let us down away from home. Earlier in the season, we were very solid, um, which gives us a good platform, I think. Of late, the last two uh, away games conceding a goal the way we did was disappointing so I think we need to uh, we need to get back to clean sheets and that's your latest news and sport more from me at 7 o'clock on FM AM and online BBC Three Counties Radio I'm hesitating slightly because I've been sent a very strange mysterious file via Twitter I've opened this mysterious file via Twitter and it's got all of my tweets I've ever sent going back to 2007 isn't that weird? I've downloaded my tweet history. I wasn't actually on Twitter in 2007. It was someone... said The first tweet I ever sent was 2009, February the 22nd, 2009. 
Can I read this? Hello all. So the commentary begins. We've just recorded the intro and outro for the long and short podcast. They'll be available soon. How dull. That's why Twitter is so pointless. The rest of them are... uh, Ooh, they're a little bit rude. I can't read those ones. Uh, Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Coming up, mementos are cluttering up the corridors of a sheltered housing development in Luton, and they are a safety risk. Well, that's what the council says. The residents disagree. We'll hear their story next. What's your favourite knick-knack? 08459 455 555. And last week, we had so many phone calls about your fat balls. The birds weren't tucking into your fat balls. Well, Paul was one of those people who rang in. We said we'd keep in touch with him to find out what's happened. Paul's balls will be on the show in about 20 minutes' time. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Speak to you after this. Die straight, in it. Get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time You feel alright when you hear the music ring But you don't see too many faces Coming in out of the rain They hear the jazz go down Competition in other places But the horns, they blow in that sound Way on down south George, he knows all the chords. Mighty strictly rhythm, he doesn't want to make it cry or sing. If standing no guitar is all he can't afford. When he gets up under the lights to play his
So opposition councillors in Hertfordshire claim it may be down to you to fill in some potholes as the councillors stopped inspecting all but the main roads. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Barry's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Barry. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm all right, I'm all right thank you very much. But potholes, where are the worst ones you've seen? Yardley Road only. But d- describe... I know this is a tough one, Barry, but describe the hole. What? Hole? No, there's... There's no end of them. There's nine of them? Yeah, they've been marked out three times over the years with a yellow marker. Right. And nothing's ever been done. Oh, so, so what? So someone, the, the council have, have highlighted these holes by, by going around them yeah, in three yellow? Times, three times over the years, two people come out and marked them. And, uh, but then they didn't go and fill them in? No. Some must be... Uh, if you put a straight edge across, I think it's five inches deep. Aye. And about six foot long. That's not a pothole, that's a basement. You could, someone could live in there. Well, yeah. Are you ever tempted, Barry, to go out there and, and fill it yourself? You'd never do it. You'd need a lorry. <laughs> really? And have you spoken, yeah, have you spoken to the council about this? We've phoned up, but it's a waste of time because they know about it because they've been out three times and marked it. And what do they say when you say, come on, fellas, there's a, a big... Hours, yeah, yeah, thank you for reporting it, that's it. <laughs> so well, Barry, thanks very much for reporting it to me. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're trying to find the worst potholes. Five inches deep? Really? David in Marsh Farm has texted in, one of the worst roads is Crawley Green Road near Airport Way. Uh, A505 roundabout, um, uh, to mention a few. Well, there we go. Well, Justin Dealey is out and about, trying, he's looking for holes. Have you got a hole that Dealey can fill? Do let us know. Now, mementos, knickknacks, bits and pieces. They're cluttering up the corridors of a sheltered housing development in Luton, and they're a safety risk. That's according to the Borough Council. Wheatfield Court residents are being told to remove items ranging from ornaments to paintings. Well, our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been to meet one of the residents, Graham Wright, to see what they're unhappy about. My name is Graham Wright and I'm a resident at Wheatfield Court in Luton. Our possessions, we put them out in the hallways for the enjoyment of all the residents and the visitors. And the council have told us in a letter that it's not allowed. They're coming in today to take all of our possessions away and dispose of them. What sort of possessions are we talking about here? We're talking about all the flowers, the ornaments, the tables that they sit on, the pictures on the walls and all the electrical items. Describe some of these items to me. They're little vases of flowers and little coffee table. Look, this one's by the door. And the passageway is restricted by this partition. It's not restricted by our tables. I mean, this is a fixture of the block. They reckon that it's a main thoroughfare for the fire service. But to my knowledge, Bedfordshire Fire Service don't employ any blind firemen. And that's what you'd need to beat to fall over that. What have we got on there? Oh, look, there's two ornamental... Well, four ornamental swans basket of flowers and an ornament of a sleeping cat and then further along we've got a tree further along we've got four foot five foot tall tree 
I'm not sure whether it's plastic or the real McCoy. It feels a bit plasticky to me, but it's lovely. I mean, no harm to anyone, and that's in the corner. You would need to be blind to fall over that. And opposite that? Opposite that, we've got a little table, again in a corner, but the resident who lives in, in this flat here has taken all the ornaments and the flowers off of it because she don't want them to dispose of them. I mean, this little photo, this little picture on the wall here, we're not allowed to put them up. That's not a fire risk. And the whole of the communal area is a no-smoking area as well. Even the women sitting at the bingo at the moment, they put cushions on their chairs because the seats that we've got are 25 years old. They're uncomfortable. You stick to them if you haven't got a cushion. And, and they're not allowed to do that anymore. There's a disabled resident. He lives as far away as you can get from the main entrance and he's in a wheelchair and he's on the first floor. And last week I said to him, do you have any problems, Keith, getting from your front door out of the building? He said, no problems at all, Graham. No problems at all. And he's the most disabled person in the block. I got a petition up and every single resident in this block that I spoke to signed my petition without any qualms. We had 35 signatures. How do you feel about what's happening here? It's wrong. Every way I look at it, it's wrong. No discussion, no meetings. The first we knew about it was a note put through everyone's door last Tuesday. What will it feel like once all the ornaments are gone? Well, it'll be like a prison in here, aren't we? It'll be like walking down the corridors of Woodhill in Milton Keynes. You feel that strongly? Yeah, I definitely do. Are they coming round on Wednesday, putting bars up against the windows, changing it to HMP Wheatfield Court? Who knows? Well, the council say they found an increasing number of new items have been deposited, causing communal areas and corridors to become cluttered and therefore creating a potentially unsafe environment for both tenants and visitors. Items where we have given permission to be stored in the communal areas have been... The- oh, jog on. Come on, it's a load of old people living in a home. Let them put some pictures up and have some knickknacks. That's what old people do. They like knickknacks. They like their little china horses that are rearing on their back legs. They like their, their pictures up of their family. They like trolls. They like flowers in... For goodness sakes. I don't know if they do like trolls, actually. I'll have to research that a little bit better. For goodness sakes, council. Don't be so petty. Don't be so ridiculous. Let them put their bits and pieces. It's knickknacks. Let the old people display their knickknacks in the privacy of their communal areas if they want to. Oh, I'm angry now. Well, the council are going to come on later on. I shall be as feisty with them as I'm being now when they're not here. It just seems ridiculous. Can, is it right? Anybody listening to this? We would have had some photos of this, but unfortunately, our reporters uh, didn't have his phone charger with him, so we couldn't take any pictures. There's a shame. But is there anybody listening to this? Right, who seriously thinks that in a communal area of, of, of a place like this, they shouldn't be allowed to have their knickknacks? If the fella in the wheelchair can get past without any hassle, what's the problem? Really? Come on. What's the problem? 08459 455 555. It's 645. Let's get the travel news with our very own knickknack, Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, still looking fairly good out there at the moment. No major problems to update you with. It is still looking good on the motorways at the moment. The western stretch of the M25 in particular moving nicely on the sensors at the moment. The M1 also looking good in both directions, particularly around Junction 7 at Stevenage. Yesterday we had quite a few problems there around this sort of time, but does it like it's moving nicely this morning. The A405, it's still looking good and no problems on the A421 either. Moving uh, fairly nicely through Buckingham at the moment, just approaching the London Road. It is still very foggy out there, so do take extra care out on the roads this morning however but the trains and tubes are still also looking good at the moment sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you sophie morning it's nearly 6 46 it's tuesday the 19th of february these are your headlines this morning on bbc three counties radio A couple from Wellin say they would rather go hungry when bedroom tax comes in than give up the room they've been keeping as a shrine to their dead son. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. In sport, Manchester United will play Middlesbrough or Chelsea in the quarter-finals of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading last night. Coming up... Last week, we received a phone call from a man called Paul. He was having problems with his fat balls. The birds weren't tucking into his fat balls that he put out for them. Well, we'll get an update on Paul's balls before seven, but before that, here's the weather. Was it Elizabeth Rossini? Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, we're starting the day off on a very chilly note. Also a very um, a very frosty one and there's some good patches of fog out there as well. Locally, very dense in places. So if you are travelling somewhere, do leave extra time for the journey because it is still forming. There's a Met Office warning out for that fog lasting until 11 o'clock this morning. That's when it should mostly have cleared away and certainly the afternoon is looking nice and bright and sunny as well across the three counties. So some long spells of sunshine around Temperatures up to 6 or 7 degrees Celsius in Stevenage, Leighton Buzzard and in Tring in St Albans too. That's uh, 45 in Fahrenheit. So, yep, we will see the sunshine once all that fog has disappeared. Now, overnight tonight, we'll see an early frost, I think, as the sun goes down. It will feel quite cold at first and then the temperatures will actually rise as we head towards dawn tomorrow. Clouds spreading in from the east. A few bits and pieces of drizzle perhaps over the tops of the hills overnight, but that's going to be all in terms of rainfall. And then by the time we start the day off tomorrow, Tomorrow it will be 3 or 4 degrees Celsius, but that's probably as far as the temperatures are going to go. Tomorrow, a much cloudier day. A few spells of brightness, I think, through the middle of the afternoon, but uh, temperatures are not getting very far at all. For the rest of the week, it is looking much cloudier, much colder, and we've got a very raw easterly wind developing as well that's gradually going to back round to the north, bringing down some even colder air with it. So, so yeah, today's looking all right once this fog's cleared, but then after that, an awful lot colder. That's the forecast. Thanks, Elizabeth. Weekdays from three. Local news. Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford. Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation at the age of one. Debate. Coming up after six, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. It's the family and lifestyle debate. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Roberto Perez. Weekdays from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is a great song. This will wake you up. Uh, We're going to discuss Paul's Balls after Stevie Wonder. If you want to see Paul's Balls, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 
Might not be safe for work. But do go and have a look. See if he could... There's a picture of his balls from last week and a picture of his balls from yesterday. Has anybody touched Paul's balls? Etc, etc, etc. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nearly 6.53. Last week, we received an urgent call from Joyce in Leegrave, who was having problems with her fat balls. This prompted many of you to call in and tell me that the bird's simply not tucking in to your fat balls. Why is it that the birds aren't eating the fat? 
balls anymore that you hang in the garden. Your birds aren't eating your fat balls? No. <laughs> How long have you been giving the birds well, your fat balls? I've noticed they're not eating them on the wall, on the, on the little hangers in the gardens. They haven't been eating them for about, what, mm, four months. I know the bad weather and they normally go for them, you know, because they can't see food in the snow. And the birds just aren't tucking into your fat balls? No, no they're not. Have you got fat balls? Well, I feed the birds, my birds, you know, all through the year. I buy fat balls like there's no tomorrow. How many fat balls have you got? How many fat balls? I buy them in two, you know, in containers. Yes. um, Contain about 50 at times. You've got 50 fat balls. And I must get through a container every every three four weeks yeah but the last two months the fact they haven't moved no the birds haven't touched them so the the last two months Paul, you're saying the birds haven't gone anywhere near your fat balls haven't gone anywhere near them kenny dunstable i believe you've got fat balls yes well if you say so uh yes we've got we hang on from the trellis and uh for the past three weeks there's been no uh Birds touching them. I'm looking up two now. Have been there for a fortnight and you haven't touched them. Yeah, I have got fat balls. It is true to say that the birds have been very reluctant to take them. We put several out, two or three fat balls in our feeder will only last a few days. Usually um, starlings and that will flock down and they usually uh, wreck the thing well, very, very quickly. But uh, a few weeks ago we put fat balls out and commented then that none of the birds seem to be eating them. This morning I've hung out three fresh fat balls and uh, haven't seen a single bird on them. Paul, could, could, could you do us a favour? Do, yes. do you have the, the technology to take a photo of your fat balls and send it to us? I certainly do. I can, I can certainly do that. What would be great is if you could take a picture now with, of your, your freshly displayed fat balls, yes. send it to us, we could follow the progress of your, your balls throughout the whole of next week. Maybe that's, that could be a little, a little feature with Paul's balls. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, there we go. So, I know, I know it's childish. Well, I don't... We may have... Is it? Is this the correct poll? It is. Okay, we've got... We can follow up this feature, Paul's balls. We, good morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. We nearly spoke to another Paul about his balls. Oh, really? And there was confusion over which Paul's balls we were looking at this morning. It's oh, your well, balls. would be embarrassing. Would be very awkward, wouldn't it? So, Paul, you very kindly sent us a photograph. It's on facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr of your balls from Friday. Yes. We also have a picture of your balls from Monday. Very good. So, can you describe what happened to your balls over the weekend? Well, not a nibble. Not a nibble. Um, <clears throat> I've been up there. Sorry, I'm a bit croaky this morning. Um, well, if you got your balls out, you might be. Yes. <laughs> the uh, it, yeah, no, no, no activity at all. I haven't seen any birds on there at all. And as you can see from the photographs, no. they look exactly the same. They've not touched them, have they? No, not touched them. And we've had other food down and other. They've eaten other stuff that's there, but, um, uh, no, n- nothing at all. And the, um, the, the, the gentleman we spoke to from the RSPB, uh, said that the, the possibility was that the, the, it was so cold that your balls were, were literally freezing, and that that's why the birds wouldn't go for them. I would suggest it's been quite mild recently. Yeah, exactly, it hasn't, hasn't been, has it? I mean, it's cold this morning, it's very frosty out this morning, but, uh, no, it's been, it's been very mild. This weekend, it's been spring-like. Um, but it's not, <clears throat> but as you know, it's not just me. I mean, yeah. a, lo- a lot of people have been having this, and yep. uh, uh, you can see that those balls have got um, seeds and nuts in and what have you, and uh, um, no. Well, I- I'll be honest, I'm looking, I- I've not seen fat balls before, and I'm looking at your balls now, and they look delicious. Your balls look lovely. Yeah, and they're in the proper feeder and everything. Yeah. Uh, 
like I say, normally um, they'd only last a few days and they'd be gone. The starlings um, usually go to town on them, you know. I mean, if I was if I was in the desert and hadn't eaten for a while, I would happily tuck into your your fat balls without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah. Uh, You're not so keen on that. Well, yeah, I think I think you you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I'll stick with the contact contact lens. <laughs> why is that? That lad that got stuck in the the Australian outback, right? Why is it we're now treating him like a hero? He's no hero. He's an idiot. He had two hundred people looking for him. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go for a run in the Australian outback. Don't I'll be all right. You idiot. Um. Yeah. Well. Paul, can we come back? Listen, where are we now Tuesday? I've got the next couple of days off. I'm back on Friday. Yeah. Can we have a look at your balls on Friday? Friday, yeah, that's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll continue taking a few photographs of them. Good lad. And, uh, yeah, I'll speak to you Friday. And listen, Paul, when we win... Uh, the, the, the Sonys are the big radio awards. When we win a Sony Gold, you're coming up on stage to collect it with me, OK? Uh, yeah, I'd love to, yeah, that'd Paul, be terrific. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Paul and I will be announced on stage by Chris Evans at the Sony Awards as we receive our Gold Award for the feature that we're calling Paul's Balls. Now, if any production values had gone into this, I'd now hit a button and a vo- an echoey voice would go, Paul's balls, balls, balls. But we haven't, so I'll, I'll just do this. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're looking busy out there at the moment on the M25 in particular. One lane is closed and there's queuing traffic anti-clockwise following a uh, recovery work and a fuel spillage following an earlier accident. Car and a tanker carrying diesel involved between junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion is back to 16 at the M40. Also very slow as well between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10. Usual delays there. We're heading clockwise also heavy between 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M. The Barnet Bypass heading south, also slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at the moment, though we do have delays of 20 minutes on the Stansted Express at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Coming up in the next hour. Family, their son died 10 years ago. They've kept their bedroom as a shrine to him. Is it time to move on? We'll discuss it more after the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, bedroom tax couple say they'd rather starve than downsize. Retrial for Bletchley man suspected of Rachel Manning murder. And horse meat scandal spreads to European ready meals. BBC Three Counties Radio. A husband and wife from Wellin say they'd rather starve to pay bedroom tax than give up the bedroom they've been keeping in memory of their dead son. Cheryl and Michael Chapman have been told they'll have to either downsize or pay more rent when the new system's introduced in April. Cheryl says they're going nowhere. Oh, I can understand what people think, you know, yeah, you should get out because you only need so many rooms. And I feel sorry for those people that are waiting on the list to get rehoused. This room is our son's room and we promised him 10 years ago that nobody will sleep in this room and nobody has. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. Shahid Al-Ahmed from Bletchley is charged with murdering the teenager in December 2000. Oscar Pistorius will appear in court for a second time this morning, accused of murdering his girlfriend at his home in Pretoria. The Paralympian denies the charge and will ask to be free on bail. 
Nestlé has removed some beef pasta meals from shelves in Italy and Spain after tests showed they contained traces of horse meat. The company has stopped deliveries of products containing meat from a German supplier. Elderly residents of sheltered flats in Luton are being told their mementos are a health and safety risk. The Borough Council is ordering pensioners at Wheatfield Court to remove all personal paintings and ornaments from shared areas, insisting it's for their own good. But resident Graham Wright begs to differ. It'll be like a prison in here, I mean. It'll be like walking down the corridors of Woodhill in Milton Keynes. Are they coming round on Wednesday, putting bars up against the windows, changing it to HMP Wheatfield Court? Who knows? Hertfordshire's Conservative leaders are being accused of having a DIY attitude to potholes. The County Council's Liberal Democrats claim their request for the roads to be assessed for damage was dismissed by the Conservatives, who said they'd only be checking main roads. The Lib Dems say it's unrealistic to expect residents to report problems elsewhere. Chris Peck is from the Cyclists Touring Club. He says potholes are too great a danger to be left to chance. If you're in a car and you hit a pothole, you can damage your wheel. You might have to swerve to avoid it. If you're on a bike, it's much more serious. You know, you, if you go into a pothole, you can come off, you can get a serious injury, or indeed, we do know that some people have been killed um, coming off their bikes, having hit potholes. So it is a very serious issue. Sport now, and after being knocked out of the cup by Blackburn over the weekend, there's a huge game for Arsenal in the Champions League tonight. Arsene Wenger's side hosts Bayern Munich in the first leg of their last 16 tie, with Wenger urging his side to prove the critics wrong. The weather foggy and frosty this morning, but drier and brighter later, with a top temperature of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. The reason I mentioned your knickknacks an hour ago, you're obsessed with my nickname. I aren't we all? Is because you are from um, Oop North, mm-hmm. and I guess that kind of thing is still considered very fashionable. What like there? flying ducks and horse brasses and the like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been round my gaff then? No, I've not been invited. <laughs> Strange that. Oh, I say, how rude! How rude! We'll be talking knickknack soon. Lots coming up. Between now and eight o'clock, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Some serious things, some perhaps slightly lighter things coming up. As always, good to get your opinion on uh, everything, really. A couple are refusing to move to a smaller council house because one of the bedrooms is dedicated to their son, who died ten years ago. They leave the light on every night for him. How much sympathy do you have for them? 08459 455 555. Where's the worst place in the three counties for potholes? Opposition councillors say not enough is being done to tackle the problem in Hertfordshire. They'll be on the show in about 20 minutes. And knickknacks, mementos, ornaments, we've all got them, haven't we? Oh, I love them. I love a good knickknack. My wife hates them. My wife's like this council that wants to get rid of them. I love them. Well, the council in Luton say they are cluttering up a communal area in a sheltered housing development and they've got to go. Why? Oh, it's dangerous. Oh, it's clutter. Oh, nonsense. We'll find out why in a bit. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Uh, 3CR. Include your name, please. Otherwise, it won't get read out. Or, oh, and this is the best way to do it 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple from Hertfordshire say they'd rather go hungry than downsize to a smaller council home and risk losing their late son's bedroom. 
Cheryl and Michael Chapman live in a three-bedroom home in Welling Garden City, but because of bedroom tax changes coming into effect in April, they've been told to move or pay £31 extra a week. But they're refusing to leave because they've kept their son Anthony's room the same since he died from cancer ten years ago. Well, Cheryl's on the line now. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Tell me about Anthony. What, what, what was he like and, and, and what happened when you found out he was poorly? Um, he was a joker. He loved to tell jokes. He was always smiling, happy, little boy. Um, when he was four and a half, when we first found out he was ill with the, um, with leukaemia. Um, and I've got a boy, I've got boys three. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, I can't imagine getting that news about someone so young and so fragile. How did you and your husband react? How do you feel when you get told that? It was devastating. It was. Because the way they told us was that he had a disease of his blood. And that's how the doctor explained it to us. And then it was sort of like, well, what disease? Because you think of everything else but cancer. Mm. And then they came out and and said, he's got cancer, it's called leukaemia. And that was it. It was non-stop for weeks. We got rushed up to St. Bart's Hospital. And, uh, yeah, and then it was just carried on going from then. And, and how old was he when he passed? He was 14. 14? Yeah. I can't, I can't, I, I can't even begin to imagine what, what, what that feels like as, as a mum or a dad. Um, but you've kept... That was 10 years ago. Yeah. And you've kept his room pretty much as it was. Yes, we have, yes. Can, yes. I, ask, can I ask why? Why you did that, Cheryl? It was a promise we made to him. Um, hang on. You're right. Yeah. Don't worry. Take your time. We promised him that nobody would ever sleep in his bedroom. And if this gets too much, Cheryl, just tell me, and we'll, we'll, we we can move on. But I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and telling us about this and being as, as honest as you can. Uh, I, I'm guessing that having that room as it was helps you feel close to him, does it? Yes, it does. Yes, yes. It was. We've only just his bedroom had been like that for. We hadn't touched his room at all until last year, and um, that's when we decided to. Um, put the computers, the computer desk into the bed, into his bedroom, so we could feel that little bit closer to him. Mm. Because all his stuff's all over the wall still. We've put his hats, because where he lost all his hair, he used to wear all different types of caps. They're all now pinned to the wall. Um, his posters are still on the doors, the walls. There's loads of bits and pieces around the room that's still his. Cheryl, there are some people listening who might think that keeping his room like that is perhaps a little bit unhealthy for you and your husband, Michael, and that, that maybe to move on, and by moving on, I don't mean forget at all, yeah. but to move on for yourselves, that maybe it will be better if you did take his things down and I don't know what you'd do with them, put them in the box, put them somewhere safe, if you did take his things down and maybe did try and move on. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, some people have said that to us. Oh, don't you think it's time you moved on? 
how can you move on from the loss of a child? Mm. You can't. That pain is with you day in, day out. It doesn't matter if you box these things up and, and move out of the house and do whatever. That pain that you suffer every single day, it just doesn't go to what go. It doesn't go away at all. But look, I'm I'm looking at a picture of of uh, of the room now, and I can see you know he's got posters, and he's got hats and stuff. But you know that Anthony, he's not living in those posters. He's not living in those hats. He's living in you, isn't he? He's in you. He's with you wherever you are. He doesn't. Yes. He's not. He's not in physical things. He's in your spirit. He's in your heart. That's that's the important thing, isn't it? It is yes, but it's also the memories of him in this house. This is the house he grew up in. Yeah. Well, you've been told, haven't you, because of this, this bedroom tax, that uh, if you want to stay in that house, you're going to have to pay, I think it's it about £31 a week we did, extra. We did, work it, well, we did work it out properly yesterday, and it works out to be about £29.6, and that's including council tax as well that okay. we have to pay. Do you think those charges are fair or unfair? I think they're unfair. Why, why, should, why should we move into a smaller house when everything we've got in this house this house the beds the wardrobes the furniture and everything like that that we've bought over the years of living in this house mm. why should we lose all that because it's going to be too big to be moved into a smaller room house there are, there are people listening who families who, who desperately need a three-bedroom three council house uh, and might be thinking that it, it's a little bit selfish of you, perhaps, to stay there. What, what would you say to those people? We feel sorry for those people because we've been in that situation where we was waiting for a house and we do feel sorry for them. But as I said, why should we lose everything? Because the government decide that, OK, then now you're in a three-bedroom house. You've got too many rooms. You've got to either pay or move. Why should we give up everything that we've put into this house for the last 23 years because the government says so? Can you afford this £29 a week extra? No. What we'll are you going to do? Without, we'll go without food. We'd rather go without food than move out of this house. You'd really do that, Cheryl? You'd put your health and your husband's health at risk to no, stay... No, we put our own health at risk. Yeah. I wouldn't put his health at risk. He would do that himself. Do you think... And I, listen, I, I, I didn't know your boy, but do you think that, 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 that Anthony would want his mum and dad to, to risk their health for that? I, I can't answer that question. Mm. And nobody can even ask me that question. People turn and say to me, oh, do you think that Anthony would want you to carry on crying? I can't answer that question. I know, all I can speak is from my experience, and I know that if I were to pass before my mum... Uh, I know she'd be devastated. She'd be terribly upset. Of course she would. But I would want her to carry on uh, and and be healthy and be financially sound and um, be safe. That's what every son wants for their mum, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's... Tony was only a child still. Yeah. He He hadn't had a proper life. He was in hospital for ten, 10 years, in and out of hospital for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. But you have, the, you have the chance to have a proper life 
and carry on his memory. And I, I, when I say put things in his boxes, I'm not being disrespectful. I don't mean you box him up and you forget about him. You have the chance to have a life and carry on his memory. And we do that here. That's how we feel closest to him here. His graveyard is only 10 minutes away from our house. The council aren't going to move us, and the council gave us that plot mm. because of my health. They gave us that plot so that we would be close to him. Cheryl, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. I know this obviously hasn't been easy, uh, but I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your honesty, and I wish you the best of luck with whatever happens. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. There we go, Cheryl Chapman there whose uh, son, Anthony, died uh, ten years ago. And because of the um, bedroom tax, as it's being called, uh, it's going to have to pay an extra £29 a week because she's kept his bedroom uh, as... Uh, well, pretty much as it was when he was alive. It's a tough question. What do you think? Have you got sympathy for her? You, how could you not have sympathy for her? You heard how upset she was ten years on. <sighs> But, but but what sympathy do you have for her? 08459 455 555. There's a woman who, ten years after her son died, is obviously still in a lot of pain. I don't know. I, what, 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 do I really have a right to comment on that? I, I, you know, I, it would appear to me that the best thing to do would be to, to move out, move on, to, to carry her son in her heart and in her head. But... It's not me that's lost the boy, is it? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off on the motorways again, anti-clockwise on the M25, but one lane is closed and is queuing traffic due to recovery work after an accident and a fuel spillage. A car and a tanker carrying diesel involved in this accident between 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion is already back to Junction 17 at Maple Cross. It's going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Also looking fairly busy as well, clockwise just between Junction 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M. Now the A505, that's Upper Talhouse Street in both directions directions through Hitchin. Also looks like it's closed following an accident involving three vehicles just around Purton Road and Ratton Road West as well. The road was closed around 15 minutes ago. We'll bring you more on that as and when it comes in. Elsewhere looking busy where you'd expect the A1 Barnet Bypass heading south fairly slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else though not looking too bad at the moment. Do have delays of 20 minutes though on the Stansted Express so do check before you travel. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Sophie, I'm still thinking about that chat that I had with Cheryl there. That was uh, was very powerful, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to be in her position. And, of course, I, I, I can't. 08459 455 555 716. Tuesday the 19th of February, these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A husband and wife from Wellin say they'd rather starve to pay bedroom tax than give up the bedroom they've been keeping in memory of their dead son. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. In sport in League One football, Stevenage play Oldham at home tonight. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, foggy and frosty this morning. Drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 8 degrees. Coming up before 7.30, we'll be speaking to Malcolm Cowan, a Liberal Democrat councillor in Welling Garden City, about the pothole problem in the Three Counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm loving JVS's consumer out at the moment. He's on fire because he's been away for a bit. He's come back, he's on fire. He's dealing with the most amazing story about this guy who spent, I think it's something like 12 grand on a hot tub. On a hot tub, I know. And the company that sold it to him have all kind of... This, what the fella, one fellow's gone off to America and, and Jonathan's phoning up these numbers he's getting from secret sources that he can't reveal. It's really exciting. It's like Quincy, but without, you know, Jack Klugman hosting it. But it's bro- cracking stuff. He's on fire at the moment. And JVS will be in in about an hour's time to tell me what he's talking about uh, after nine o'clock this morning. But whatever it is, man, that guy could make the phone book sound interesting. All the young people are going, phone book? What, what's a phone book? Yeah, we used to get this, children. We used to get delivered every year a big book with the phone numbers of everybody who lived in our area. Imagine that we'd come home and there'd be a big book on our doorstep with like, everyone's phone numbers. Incredible. Now, potholes, the scourge of motorists, cyclists and pedestrians are at their worst following weeks of cold and wet weather. Well, insurers say the number of cars damaged by potholes in roads has doubled over the last year, according to the AA. Now, opposition councillors in Hertfordshire claim it may be down to you to fill in some potholes as the council has stopped inspecting all but the main roads. Well, Malcolm Cowan is Liberal Democrat councillor in Welling Garden City. He spotted many potholes in the county. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. We'll come to you in a second. I just want to say hello to Stuart Pyle, who's in charge of highways at Hearts County Council. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Malcolm. Hi there, Stuart. Malcolm, how big a problem are the potholes in Hertfordshire? Well, I mean, I, I'm only most um, aware of the problems in my area, but, I mean, it, it, it is absolutely terrible. I mean, I was out with, a, hi- with a, a highways officer the other day and he had to bring his car to a sudden stop because there was such a big hole in front of us. He had to stop off and report it and make sure somebody came straight away. And I, I was out um, a couple of days ago in my area and I reported two potholes about two yards apart and I filled in the, the fault report form and said there were two potholes. I went back yesterday, they'd filled one and the other one had been left. So... Um, we, we've not only got a massive number of potholes, we've got a contractor that we know is struggling to deal with them, um, and, and, and the performance that, that they're offering up is extremely poor. So we, we think that uh, we need to be a lot more proactive and make sure that the county council officers are going out and finding the, finding the potholes for the contractor to fill. Whereas what we, when I asked the question the other day at a committee meeting, I was told that no, only the main roads would be inspected, and the rest, well... Goodness knows what would happen. Um, we've got a highway fault reporting system, but clearly not everyone has a computer. Not everyone's going to want to spend their time um, <laughs> u- using it. So, you know, we, we could be in a situation that many of the holes will still be there in months and months' time. Sure. Is, what's going on? Why, why are potholes not being filled in? Why are they being left? Um, I think um, Malcolm needs to get the latest information, really, because... Uh, uh, obviously, this time of year, we have a national problem of the cold weather, which could literally make potholes form overnight. Um, and there has been a, a, a winter recovery program enacted immediately after the snow, um, and we're now getting to grips with the number of potholes. Just to give you 
uh, some idea of the sheer numbers that we're talking about. This year, we've repaired over 8,000 potholes. And the most dangerous ones, of course, are the ones you need to get at. Um, and why, why did you? Why was of one snow, of the ones? Of course, we're now down to, to very low numbers. That why need, was need filling? Why was one of the ones that Malcolm reported ignored? That seems I, silly. I can't, really, I can't really understand that, and I can't really comment on a specific location. But of course, uh, Malcolm, as, a, as a, a very good county councillor, would have, of course reported that, or the officer would have reported it, and we'd have gone out and fixed it. Well, but he did report it, and it wasn't fixed. No, he reported one was reported, but the one down the road may or may not have been fixed. I don't know the answer to that one. The, the contractors are struggling. Still. Stuart? Um, I don't think they are now. They certainly were, and we called them in uh, in November of last year, um, and I met with the directors of Ringway certainly several times this year. Uh, the action plan that they put in place is now beginning to work. Uh, the only disappointment we have so far is street lighting. Uh, but to give you, this, again, some idea of the scale, since the 1st of October, we have repaired 9,040 streetlights. And it's true to say that we still have 1,600 to go, but we're fixing them now at around 400 a day. So that gives you an idea of the sort of scale of the problem that we've got. We'll, we'll do streetlights next week, Stuart. You don't, sure, don't you worry yeah. about that. Malcolm, okay. you're, you're worried that the, the, the minor roads are being ignored. Well, the minor roads <coughs> are actually where probably about 95% of the population live, i.e. the roads that aren't A roads or B roads. I mean, uh, another example, I was with a uh, constituent the other day, and she said, yes, they fixed it outside my, my house, but they did it in the middle of the night. She said it woken up and there was this all noise. So, I mean, this is a road without streetlights. So you've got to wonder at the quality of what they're doing. And I know that one of the <coughs> ones I reported um, over Christmas has been fixed twice, what are called temporary faults. It's twice been fixed now, inside just over a month, and it's still not right. Uh, another one is worse than it was before they did the fix. So they may, even if they do go out and, you know, they can quote the numbers and say, oh, we've done lots of fixes, in many cases, within a, literally a week or two, um, the problem is, as ba is back to being as bad as it was before, or in some cases even worse. So, um, you know, it, it, it's like sort of pouring water onto sand. The thing, the thing is just disappearing. <coughs> but I do come back to my central point, that I think... You know, in previous, the last two or three years when we've had a lot of snow and ice, um, there's been a, a, a full-scale operation to go out and spot all the potholes uh, so that the contractor knows where to go and fix them, whereas in this case we were told that only the A and B roads would be, would be inspected. And the other aspect, of course, is that, from what I've just been saying, that we need to be far more vigorous in actually checking the quality of what the contractor is doing, because in so many cases it's simply, they're simply showing that they're not up to the job. Stuart? Well, the, uh, I think Malcolm is again wrong here. We haven't changed anything on the inspections at all. We follow, like all local authorities, the National Code of Practice, so we scout all roads, including residential roads. Um, the other thing, of course, to think about is that those inspections have now made us, uh, along with the, the, about the two-thirds of the number of reports that come in now from the public, uh, triggered what's known as the winter recovery program it is no different to previous years it's exactly the same and that is really kicking in now so the vast majority of repairs are now permanent repairs whereas Malcolm's right before many of them were temporary but you reach a point when doing temporary repairs is no longer cost effective and that's when we instigated the winter recovery program on the on the fourth of, of this month so uh, so again, since, since the 4th of February, it's been... It's, going on out so since the 4th of February, uh, Stuart, there have been no longer any temporary repairs. These are all permanent repairs. That's right. Only temporary repairs are done when there's a safety hazard on the road and we go out and do a temporary repair prior to a permanent one. So we have to fill a, 
uh, a pothole in, you know, for example, a major pothole on an A road may get a temporary repair, and then we come out and do a, a research. Well, that sounds all right, doesn't it, Malcolm? Things are on, uh, things are on the up if, if they're not doing the, well, the, the I mean, temporary I, I, repairs. I specifically asked the question last week at the meeting that Stuart was chairing as to whether we were going to inspect all the roads, and the answer came back from the head of the highway service that, no, we weren't. We were only going to do the A's and B's. And so I haven't yet to see a, a, a single permanent fix. Every single one I have seen has been a temporary fix. Well, let's go back to that. So just ask, let's ask that question to Stuart. Just give, give us that question again, Malcolm. Uh, well, for, as I say, my first point is that when I asked at the committee meeting last week, which Stuart was chairing, whether we would be inspecting all the roads to look for faults, as we had in the previous uh, hard winters, the answer came back from his, um, the head of service that no, we wouldn't. We Stuart, is that true? The A's and B's. No, that's not what happened at the meeting. Malcolm asked a question about street lighting. No, I didn't. I didn't uh, mention street lighting. Stuart, I didn't mention street lighting. Every single road on the 20-day cycle. So that, that's I, never I, changed. And if that answer came out last week, and we'll check the minutes for that, um, then that was incorrect, because we are inspecting all roads as we normally would do and as we have to under the contract. Malcolm? I didn't, ask, I didn't mention streetlights at all. Well, Stuart street asked me if I had any concerns about streetlights. I said my major concern was potholes. So I didn't well, ask about that. Are now, and again, I want to stress this point. At the moment, as of last Friday, we have only 267 Category 1 uh, potholes that need to be done. Um, on a seven-day, we have just under 399, something like that, which is a normal workload, and ar around twice what we would expect on a 14-day. And this is what triggers... Uh, the winter recovery. Okay, we, 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 I feel we're going slightly round in circles. Gentlemen, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You heard uh, the last voice you heard there was Stuart Pyle. He's in charge of highways at Hearts County Council. And Malcolm Cohen, uh, Liberal Democrat councillor in Welland Garden City. D disagreeing slightly. It'd be interesting to see the minutes of that meeting and find out if Malcolm was asking about street lighting or potholes. It'd be uh, Well, Stuart has said it there. No. They're going to be checking all the roads as they normally do. And there'll be no more temporary repairs except for emergency potholes. Well, Jones in Biggleswade. Joan, your, your car has been damaged by a pothole. Yes, indeed. On the 22nd of December, driving down from Biggleswade towards Potton, it was wet. There were cars coming to me, cars coming behind me, so I couldn't swerve. I hit a pothole. Ooh. It was four foot long, 25 inches wide and four and a half inches deep. Oh, my word. It's damaged my wheel. I bet. My tyre and cost me £12 short of £300. I then approached the police as soon as I got home because if somebody on a motorbike, as you said before, would have gone, it would have been a fatality without a doubt along that road. I, they repaired it, temporarily repaired it, uh, the next, sort of the next day. Three days after that, we noticed another big hole. There was a person stopped there who had hit this hole and done damage to their car. I didn't, unfortunately, take their name. I, my friend went to get a tyre, not anything to do with the accident, in Biggleswade, and the man in there said, I've had ten people before you. He said, you're not another potholder, are you? She went, no. They'd had ten that morning. Joe, wouldn't the, ca the council, sh if, if it's five inches deep, then they they'll cover the cost of your damage, won't they? Well, they won't. We have got a bill, as I say, £12 short of, three, of £300. I've sent the bill, I've sent photos, I've sent communications, and they're just saying they're not paying it. Now, I'm a 70-year-old pensioner who can't afford to lose this sort of money. Um, and the man stopped me, uh, we were down there last week um, driving down and there was a man looking at this, the same place, but it's not as deep, but it is still coming out again, mm. so it isn't temporary. You know, it isn't permanent, it's a temporary still. 
And I stopped and I said to him, you know, what's the matter? He said, my car just cost me £500 a fortnight ago. Lovely, Joan, we have to end it there. Listen, thank you for that. How frustrating. I I, I thought the rule was, if the hole was more than two inches, the council paid. I'd fight that if I were you, Joan. I'd fight that or get in touch with Jonathan Vernon-Smith after 11 o'clock for his consumer hour. If anyone can sort it out, he can. He's darn good. I think I've got a man crush on him. Here's the travel. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane is still closed and it's queuing following the recovery work taking place after fuel spillage and earlier accident. That happened just between Junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion is back to Maple Cross though at 17. It's going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch I'm afraid. Now clockwise on the M25, also still heavy between 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M. Wilding south on the M1, also still slow between Junction 15A at the Northampton services and the Newport Pagnell services as well. The A505 at Upper Talhouse Street in both directions in Hitchin still closed following an accident involving three vehicles at uh, Purton Road there. Road was closed around half an hour ago. Uh, everything else not looking too bad. A few usual delays on the A5 and the A1 but nothing's going to hold you up for too long this morning. But don't forget we do have delays of 15 minutes possible on the Stansted Express between Stansted Airport and Bishop Stortford. That's due to an earlier fire alert at Stansted Airport itself. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 7.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. A well-in couple say they'd rather starve to pay bedroom tax than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. And Oscar Pistorius will appear in court for a second time this morning, accused of murdering his girlfriend at his home in Pretoria. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United will play Middlesbrough or Chelsea in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading last night. The former England captain Paul Ince says it was a no-brainer to join Blackpool after he agreed a deal to become their new manager yesterday. It was a no-brainer for me, watching the team play for the last 14 months. Looking at the players, what we've got here, the spirit of the club, the unity of the club, and uh, it, it was a chance for me to, you know, to get back into the, into the hot seat and... Um, you know, if it felt right, and when it feels right, then um, especially after speaking to the chairman, I think that's the most important thing in football, to have that relationship with the chairman. And it felt right, hence why I'm sitting here now. Watford are at Ipswich tonight in the Championship with defender Joel Ekstrand back in the squad. The Hornets are third in the table at the moment. Watford scored four on their travels on Saturday, but manager Gianfranco Zola says he won't be afraid to make changes tonight. You cannot play at the same level three games in a week, in seven days. That is important. Not only you cannot play them, at the same level, but you uh, you can risk a lot of injuries uh, because the intensity of the games is over. So I- in League One, Stevenage play Oldham at home tonight and Luton Town are set to make changes for tonight's conference match at Macclesfield. Players cup tied on Saturday will return to the team and Nathaniel Rowe-Turner is back from suspension and Wayne Thomas is also available. Manager Paul Buckle has one clear goal tonight. Keep a clean sheet is the biggest thing on the agenda. I think that's the one thing that's let us down away from home. Earlier in the season, we were very solid um, which gives us a good platform, I think. Of late, the last two uh, away games conceding a goal, the way we did was disappointing. So I think we need to uh, we need to get back to clean sheets. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Call 08459 555. 08459-455-555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Coming up in the next half an hour, mementos are cluttering up the corridors of a sheltered housing development in Luton and are a safety risk. Shame on you elderly people having knick-knacks. Shame on you putting pictures up and memories of your family and your lives. This is what the council is saying. I may have exaggerated it slightly, but the residents disagree. We're going to hear their side in the next few minutes. And where are the worst potholes in the three counties? Reporter Justin Dealey is on Pothole Watch. Can you point him in the right direction? Please, I never thought I'd be saying those words, but indeed, I am. Now, Cheryl and Michael Chapman from Hertfordshire are being asked to leave their council home and downsize or pay more money to stay there. Well, Cheryl was on the show just after 7 o'clock, and if you, if you missed it, I thoroughly recommend you go and have a listen to the uh, uh, Listen Again, the iPlayer, because it was, uh, it, it was quite a, a painful interview. And she told me that she would rather go without food than leave the house. They've kept their son's bedroom exactly as it was the day he died 10 years ago, and they don't want to lose it. Here's, here's a little clip of what she had to say to me earlier on. And they came out and said, he's got cancer, it's called leukaemia. And that was it. It was non-stop for weeks. It was, we got rushed up to St Mark's Hospital, and, uh, yeah, and then it was just carried on going from then. And, and how old was he when he passed? He was 14. 14? Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what, what, what that feels like as, as a mum or a dad. Um, but you've kept... That was 10 years ago. Yeah. And you've kept his room pretty much as it was. Yes, we have, yes. Can I, ask, can I ask why? Why you did that, Cheryl? It was a promise we made to him. Um, hang on. You're right. Yeah. Don't worry, take your time. We promised him that nobody would ever sleep in his bedroom. And... If this gets too much, Cheryl, just tell me and we'll, we'll, we, we can move on. But I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and telling us about this and being as, as honest as you can. Uh, I, I'm guessing that having that room as it was helps you feel close to him, does it? Yes, it does, yes. Well, it really was, uh, it was quite a powerful interview. And I've been asking the question, and I, I don't mean this to sound cold, but have you got sympathy for the family? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, Jeannie's in Aylesbury. Morning, Jeannie. Hello there. W- what did you make of what Cheryl was saying in her story? I am very close to understanding that. In a way, having listened to that again, I can see that my own situation is maybe a little more pointless, what I'm doing, because the thing is, she had the chance to talk to her son, Mm. and this is why it's so important she keeps that promise, because, and I can understand how she couldn't possibly go back on that. She knew he was going to die, and she was able to talk to him, she's able to make a promise that she can now keep, in theory she can keep, and she should be allowed to. Mm. Uh, With my own daughter, she committed suicide, so I didn't know she was going to do it, but what I've done is I've um, kept hold of a car, we are running two cars that we can't afford. We can barely afford to run one. I mean, you know what the petrol situation mm. is like at the moment. But we're running this big old car. And the thing is, it was the last car that she sat in. And my, my family think it's quite ridiculous. They, they sort of respect my decision, but I know they think it's daft. And we're keeping hold of this old car because I can't bear the thought of parting with something that has her memory. Um, so although... Maybe she didn't know she was going to commit suicide before she did it. I don't know what was in her mind before she did it. And I didn't have the chance to make any promises to her. But I now feel it's almost impossible for me to part with something 
that I remember her by. So I totally understand the way the lady's feeling. And especially now that I've listened to it again, and she made that promise to him. Mm. How, could you, how could you possibly break something to someone you're not going to see again? That would be just why, too painful. Why the car, Jeannie? Why is the car so significant? Um, well, the thing is, I suppose she spent time in the back of it. We have actually moved house, but she was living in Scotland at the moment at the time anyway. So though she came down to stay, it's not the same as, I don't know, it's anything. I've kept hold of lots of stupid little things. You just, you can't help it. They're stupid little things. A car's a big thing that's costing us money. So mm. in that respect, it's sort of similar to this other lady's situation, really. Um, but I think especially as they've had, she was explaining she's had time to build up her collection of furniture and everything fits seems unfair it really seems unfair and especially in the light if she's promised that to somebody who's not around anymore you know yeah and i i believed when i first uh, lost her that i was going to move on it's 10 about 10 years now nine ten years mm. um i believed that i'd be able to move on but i really do think that it, it doesn't really happen i think you can get on with the rest of your life but that person is there every single day but but you you said it you, you said it yourself that person is there Every single day, mm. they are in a photograph, they're in a little bit of jewellery, they're in your heart. They're not in a car, Jeannie. No, no. I can, and if it's I can costing you the, money as well... That's... Yeah, no, that, that's right. I can see the point. In a way, it's like a huge thing to let go. And I do yeah. think, when you were saying um, it would help you move on, in my heart, I think, in a way, that's true. But her situation is different from mine. It, it should, in theory, be easier for me to let go of a car mm. than it is for her to let go of a house. I... It's not like my daughter said to me, oh, don't ever sell the car, will you? Um, you know, I know that she was fond of it, and I've got photographs of her with it, and it's a big old thing, and, it's, mm. you know, as I say, it's expensive, and we don't use it too often. But it just, I can't, it would almost feel as if I got rid of that, I'd be getting rid of another part of her, and I haven't got very much left as it is, and so that would feel wrong. I mean, um, there was a dog that we had that she was very fond of, and um, when she died uh, last year, that was difficult, more difficult than just losing a dog, if you see what I mean. I'm just thinking, uh, uh, this is uh, is a tough one, isn't it? I'm just thinking, if you got rid of the car, though, you'd have a big cry, but then you would be able to move on... Slightly, I don't... And again, I don't mean move on as as in forget your daughter. You're never going to do that. Of course you're not, but it would just... It would just take away some of, of th- that weight that you're carrying, wouldn't it? I think, um, to a small degree, it would. But I think in the overall scheme of things, in trying to move your life on, mm. it's not going to make an awful lot of difference. So I think what happens is human beings just aren't logical. And because it's, it's something that most people don't have to go through, I mean, you shouldn't have to lose a daughter mm. before you lose a parent, for example. Do you th- I was going to ask, do you think it's, do you think it's different with, with losing your children as opposed to losing your parents? I think you've got time to prepare for your um, parents yeah. dying. And I just think there's something so unnatural. It, it, it's almost, it feels very, very wrong, especially the way my daughter died as well, because yeah. it was sudden and, and it was her choice. Um, and nobody really understands why she did it. Even now, nobody understands why she did it. Um, but it's just such an unnatural thing, whether that's by accident, murder, suicide, illness, long-term illness, whatever it is, it is just not something you expect to do when you have children. You just don't expect to do it. And so I think it takes that much longer to get your, even to get your head around it. Mm. It's not even so much as getting over it. It's that thought of... How do I get my brain around this? I mean, 
it's been years and years, and yet I can suddenly think about her, and it's as if I don't really quite believe it, as if someone has just punched me in the face, and I've had all these years to get used to the idea. And you are right, I think that when I do eventually have to park the car, I mean, you know, it'll go bang one day, mm. um, it will be tough, and I will cry, and I think you're right. You move forward perhaps a little step, but the trouble is I've now come to the conclusion that I will never actually completely move on and it was something that people were telling me years ago i don't think that's going to happen because i think it's just too unnatural a thing mm. and i don't think people are supposed to go through it in that order Jeannie, uh, thank you very much ah what a lot of honesty we're getting uh, this morning oh eight four five nine four double five five double five back to this uh, this couple who um will have to pay extra money um, in bedroom tax because they've got their, uh, the, their son who died 10 years ago at the age of 14. They've kept his bedroom as a shrine. shrine. Ian, in Luton, you, you haven't got any sympathy for them? Um, not at all. Not at all. I mean, uh, it's a very emotive subject, obviously, and, it, and you, 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 you can't understand it unless you're in that situation. But um, everyone's being told that you've got to move out now if you're in a, a council house. My parents live in a three-bedroom house, and they've been told they've got to move out. My mum and dad have got all the memories of me and my sister. Um, in, in the old days, my, both myself and my sister were born in the house, in my mum's bedroom. That bedroom is really special to my mum, but, but they're having to move because they can't afford to pay this extra tax. And, and, and I can't see no parallel between my mum and dad's situation and these people. Is your sister still alive? Uh, yeah, obviously. My well, sister's alive and I'm alive. Well, but, but then your you parents, know, the situation is different because your parents have got you. They've got both of you to, to, yeah, to give them new yeah. memories in their new home. And that, that, that Cheryl, her son, isn't there. That's the thing, yeah, isn't but it? My mom, whilst my mum and dad live in the house, when, when we're not there, obviously, we have our own lives to leave, my mum and dad still think of us because they're in the house, um, you know, living in the house now. So they've got all those memories. And when they move out of that house... They've lost those memories. Okay, they're still in their head, but they don't see us every day in in in, uh, in, in the house. You know, this this lady and husband, her husband, obviously, it's very important to them both. Um, you know, but they have an option. They find the money and stay in the house and mm. keep the shrine alive, or they do like everybody else and unfortunately move out and move on. Maybe yeah. it's a good thing for them. I, 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 I can understand exactly what you're saying there, Ian. Thank you for that. Uh, Mick's in Watford. Uh, Mick, what, what do you think about this? Well, that last bloke, I can't understand what he's talking about. But I, I think the tax is completely unfair. Let's put it this way. If everybody that's been asked to move agreed tomorrow to move, how many one-bedroom flats are, are there and how many bed, one-bedroom houses are there that these people can move into? And if they can't find enough one to move into, they shouldn't enforce the fines or the tax. Because it's not their fault. Most of these people, it's just a way of getting money because they won't be able to put these people in one-bedroom flats and one-bedroom houses because there aren't that many about. So you're worried, and uh, this has been mentioned on, on, on this show before, that, that these people leaving these three-bedroom houses and three-bedroom flats, they've got nowhere to go to. Well, they won't leave them. They'll just they'll say, well, we haven't got one at the moment, but you'll have to pay the £31, £28, whatever it is, until we find one. And they won't find them because they're not building them. 
Mick, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. What a lot of different opinions. This is why doing this is so great, because you get all these amazing stories. And thank you everyone who's come on to talk about this, because you're all being, uh, you're all bearing your souls, and it's appreciated. All different, different opinions, different stories. Quite powerful. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We still have one lane closed anti-clockwise on the M25 and queuing traffic due to recovery work taking place after an accident. Fuel spillage as well between Junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion back to 17 at Maple Cross at the moment. Now clockwise also looking at fairly heavy between 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M while heading south on the M1. Also very slow between at Junction 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 at Bedford. Now the A505 that's Upper Tile House Street in both directions in Hitchin, still closed due to the earlier accident involving three vehicles just around Purton Road. Road was closed around 45 minutes ago and of course we will bring you more on this as and when it comes in. Barnet Bypass still queuing heading south to Sterling Corner and Mill Hill Circus and the Great North Road also still slow approaching the Black Cat Roundabout. Everything else not looking too bad at all. Trains are back to normal. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. It's nearly 7.46. It's Tuesday the 19th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Welling couple say they'd rather starve to pay bedroom tax than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. The suspect in the Rachel Manning murder case will be tried again after the jury at Luton Crown Court failed to reach a verdict. In sport, Manchester United will play Middlesbrough or Chelsea in the quarter-finals of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading last night. Coming up after eight, we speak to Alison Thompson, the head of Children and Young People Bereavement Services for the charity Cruise, based in Bedford, about the issue of bedroom tax. But before that, let's get the weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio to you. It's a frosty, foggy old start to the day. Widespread frost and also some dense patches of fog out there as well. So, something to be aware of. I think leave a little bit of extra time for your journey this morning, wherever you're going because visibility is very, very poor in many areas today. Um, So, that fog will eventually clear, I think, through the late morning, first part of the afternoon. It'll all be gone and there'll be lots of sunshine left to uh, reward us with after this rather tricky morning for some of us. Um, So, lots of sunny spells around for the rest of the day and temperatures will get up to seven or even eight degrees celsius perhaps in Aylesbury, luton and in watford too that's 46 in fahrenheit make the most of the sunshine because we won't be seeing very much of it i'm afraid for the rest of the week the winds will be quite light this afternoon they are going to pick up into this evening and overnight though we may just see an early frost as the sun goes down uh, just through the evening rush hour but then gradually we're going to start to see more clouds spread in overnight perhaps a few outbreaks of drizzle during the course of the night um, otherwise most dry temperatures climbing slightly as we head towards dawn underneath the cloud the breeze picking up too so we'll start the day off tomorrow on around two or three degrees celsius much milder than today but those temperatures are really not going to rise very far it's going to be quite cold and cloudy tomorrow with a keen easterly breeze highs of three or four degrees celsius in many of our towns and those temperatures slipping even further through the rest of the week so we're not going to get much past one or two degrees celsius by thursday and friday yet it's half time week it is going to stay dry but it is going to be very cloudy it'll be quite windy at times as well and that air all pushing in from the east and eventually from the northeast as well so raw and bitter by the end of the working week that's the forecast thanks elizabeth 
Nick Coffer across beds, hearts and bucks. This Friday, I'll be continuing my tour of beds, hearts and bucks. And this week, I'm in Waterend near Hemel at the Red Lion. Nick Coffer. There'll be archery, live local music and quite a lot of cycling. I might even get on a bike myself. And I know there are women out there who love to wear their wedding dress more than once, and I'll be telling you how you can. So come and join me in the Red Lion Water End this Friday from 12 o'clock. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Knickknacks, knickknacks, knickknacks. They're cluttering up the corridors of a sheltered housing development in Luton, and they are a safety risk. That's according to the Borough Council. Wheatfield Court residents are being told to remove items ranging from ornaments to paintings. Well, our knick-knack correspondent, Ewan Duncan, spoke to one of the residents, Bill Lowe, who's unhappy with what's being proposed. I think it's stupid and petty, personally. Why do you think it's happening? It was supposed to have happened for somebody walked into the table when the gentleman was there with her, which is a load of lies because it was my wife who was with her when she walked into the table. So he's a very dishonest man, whoever he is. What sort of ornaments are we talking about? Fuzzies, paintings, little paper flowers, supposed to be fire hazards, trip hazards. And how long have they been there? Well, ours have been there since last August. A year last August, I should say. Some of them a lot longer than that. 20, 20 years, some of them maybe. As long as that? As long as that, yeah. Do you feel the council will have a change of heart? Well, I would like to think so. You know, the biggest fire hazards, their their own property, all the seats, and none of them fire retardant, because I've checked them. I mean, they're, they're complaining about people using cushions and leaving them there. You go and try and sit on there for half an hour. They're, they're all not leather, they're rexing, and that is awful stuff to sit on. Well, Labour councillor Tom Shaw is the housing portfolio holder for Luton Borough Council. Morning, councillor. Morning, Ian. But within a second, let's speak, uh, to, first of all, to uh, Graham Wright, who's a resident at Wheatfield Court. Graham, what, what kind of mementos and knickknacks are we talking about? Hello? Hello, Graham, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yes. Yeah. Sorry, what, what kind of knickknacks and mementos are we talking about here? Well, in the letter that we all received, all the residents received, it says some of these items include tables, plastic plants, cushions, ornaments, electrical items, wheelchairs frames and pictures to know to name a few so there you go when you got this letter graham how, how, how did you feel infuriated infuriated uh, 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 the way they're treating us is is i mean they don't think we're human we we're in sheltered housing and we've been written off by the council well let's put that to the council tom tom you're, you're treating them inhumanly inhumanely uh, completely and absolutely wrong and if you read you know think what you said in the letter i've got the photographs which i'll be quite happy to drop into on my way home from work tonight what we've got in the corridor is there's a table with a stereo system being set up on it the table one third of the table is in front of the fire door the stereo system's never been pat tested and you know from your job as well underneath it there's probably 50 old vinyl uh, LPs, which are a fire hazard in the cells. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Tom, Tom. Yeah. Fire, LPs are a fire hazard? When they get on fire, they put off fumes, you know they do. Oh, Tom, a, Tom, 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 yeah, but, 
Tom. Yeah. Tom. Uh, Tom, oh, listen to me. No, 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 listen to me. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. Tom. The fire door. Tom. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I've got the photographs here and I'll drop them in tonight if you want. Well, I'm living here and I, I live here 24-7 and there is not a... There is not... There is not a, a, a stereo in front of a fire door. I'll there tell is. you, I'll tell you what there is in front of the fire door. There's a bloody great tear in the carpet in front of the fire door and I'll show you the photograph of that if you like. No problem at all. I'm, I live on the corner from Wheatfield Court. I spend a lot of time in there. Uh, I'll come in and see any time you want. But well, the, also, in the, also under the stairs, I've got. I'm not, to by go- the way, I'm not allowing records as a fire hazard. That's ridiculous. All right, Next, fair enough. Uh, one of the other things in the photographs, so I'm quite happy to come into here, is a wheelchair with no front wheels on it. What's being put by the stairs? Which I, you know. which I reported to the warden back in November, and I said to her, get it down to the disability resource centre and get it fixed, or, or get it, get rid of it. But we can't leave it in a corridor. What's a fire corridor? It's under a staircase. It's at the side of the staircase. Under a staircase. Tom, what about p- paintings? What's wrong with paintings? No, a, no, that's in every single shelter scheme in Luton, and I'll be quite happy to pick you up this afternoon and take you I'm, around. I'm, I'm not coming out we with you, Tom. Pa- we put paintings up on the wall ourselves. Right, but why can't the residents put up their own paintings and, and make it feel like, and make it feel like, I don't know, home? They can. You go up to Lucy Park Court. There's paintings on the wall all down the corridor. So, Graham, they are allowed to have paintings on the walls in the, in the corridor and in the, the communal well, areas? Yeah. I know. I, I, I go to Lucy Park Court about once a month to play pool. Uh, and there's paintings, uh, well, pictures, photographs of old Luton. Yeah, everywhere, all down the everywhere. Corridor, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's it's really, really enjoyable to walk from the exit to the pool. But, room. Graham, hang on a second. Tom is saying that you can put paintings and photos up. Is that right, Tom? As long as we're up safely, no problem at all. And what's your definition of safely? Like, on a hook, yeah? On a hook, on the wall, yeah, no problem at all. OK, fine. Uh, what about, um, vases with flowers in? As long as they're not in the way of the fire corridor, no problem at all. OK, what about, um, little china horses? If people want to put little china horses in there, they can do. When they put them up at Lucy Park Court, a lot of them were stolen. So, Graham, it, it sounds like Tom's saying, apart from um, the vinyl, which I'm not allowing, you can't say vinyl's a fire hazard, ridiculous, Tom, come on, for goodness sakes, uh, and, and things that are blocking the fire door, it sounds like there's no problem, Graham. What, what, what are you moaning about? Well, in the letter that we all received, the second from last paragraph says, finally, in relation to pictures and cushions, tenants must not put pictures up in the communal areas. Tom? I mean, you can't get no more plainer than that. That's plain English. I, I will take that over the officers, because it's wrong. Okay, the cushions so... isn't wrong. Uh, everything, uh, in the, everything in the corridors, like the stereo system, there's a community room only a few feet away. It could go in there, as long as it's pat-tested, so it's safe for people to use. Well, cushions got, in we... the corridors, as long as they're fire safety, and, you know, they've got the tag on them. Not a problem, but they need to be fire safety. We've got a responsibility to all our tenants to make sure they're safe. Well, you're and wrong, you're wrong on two the counts there, Tom. You're wrong on two counts. There's two stereos in this building, in the so communal what, areas. I'll drop it round to you this weekend. OK, they're both in the communal areas. They're not in the corridors. They're in the communal areas. No, who's in and the, the corridors? And, and, the cushions, the and the cushions are on the seats in the communal areas, not yeah. in the corridors. But they need to be fired. They need to make sure that the fire safety certificate's on them all. Well, we can't just put anything there. We've got to make sure. The you seats you're complaining about have all got a fire tag on them. You're the, you're the authority that come round and visit this 
That do often? Every three months. Uh, why hasn't it been picked up in your three monthly visits? Uh, and if it is picked up in your three monthly visits, no. why don't we get a letter that's a bit more polite coming well, uh, through our letterbox? I, I will admit that the officers, I don't, I don't think the officers have handled this as well as they could have. Well, and back, I'll be taking back, that up with the director of housing. Back to but this some letter. Of stuff, some of the stuff to, to say in his right. Back to this letter. If you do have items currently stored within the communal areas of the scheme, yeah. they must be removed by Sunday the 17th of February. Any That's items right. remaining after this date will be disposed of. Yeah. It's yeah. not your property to, to, to dispose of. I mean, uh, in my eyes, that's theft. You take well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be theft, would it? What we'd do well, is it's not your property and you're taking it away. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let me, let me just interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt because I, I think this is a fascinating discussion we're having here. We are running out of time. Graham, I think progress has been made. Tom has admitted that Could he... just talk to you about something else while you're there. What's been what? on your radio this morning? What's it about? Uh, the bedroom tax. No, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah, d- no d- sorry, sorry, Tom, we're running out of time. Graham, Tom has admitted he's going to address how this has been handled with the officers. Very quickly, 30 seconds from each of you, starting with you, Graham, how do you want this resolved? Um, well, I'm not sure. The ball's in their court now. I mean, they thought that they could send this letter through and, and we're a load of stupid old pensioners uh, and we won't do anything about it. But they're completely wrong. I, I've got a petition with a hundred percent sign up every person tom, i've spoke to tom you've admitted that this has perhaps been handled in in, in not the, the the friendliest way what, what are you going to do to help these residents i'll be having words with the officers tonight and i'll be quite happy to take bill down any shelter schemes and i'll go in week or court myself every so often i'll make sure i'm in there this weekend i've seen the petition there's 20 odd names on it uh, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding where the officers could have sorted it out beforehand. Tom, listen, we're going to end it there. I'm sorry you haven't got time to talk about other things, but we're very pushed for time. We're going to follow this story. Maybe we'll follow this up later in the week or possibly next week and just to see if things have been smoothed out a little bit. It seems that maybe th- th- there was a little bit of aggression where it wasn't needed, that a little bit of diplomacy might have helped things. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Councillor. Right, let's get the travel news now, shall we? That was fun. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane still closed and queuing traffic due to recovery work taking place after fuel spillage and an earlier accident. A car and a tanker carrying diesel involved there just between junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion is back to 17 at Maple Cross at the moment. Can take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Also looking fairly busy clockwise, uh, just between junction 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M. While heading south on the M1, more delays between Milton Keynes at junction 4 and 13 at Bedford. Earlier problems on the A505 through Hitchin are looking better now. The road has reopened and the accident has been cleared. Trains also looking good at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Wow, what an hour we've had. What an hour. Lots more coming up. I shall tell you what's coming up after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, Wellin couple defy bedroom tax, retrial for Rachel Manning, murder suspect and horse meat scandal spreads to Europe. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Wellin couple say they're prepared to go without food to pay bedroom tax rather than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. Cheryl and Michael Chapman lost their son Anthony to leukaemia over 10 years ago and promised him that no one else would ever sleep in his room. Cheryl has this response for those who suggest it's time to move on. How can you move on from the loss of a child? You can't. That pain is with you day in, day out. It doesn't matter if you box these things up and, and move out of the house and do whatever. That pain that you suffer every single day, it doesn't go away at all. The jury in the Rachel Manning murder trial have failed to reach a verdict at Luton Crown Court, so there will now be a retrial. Shahid al-Ahmed was accused of the murder of the teenager whose body was found on Woburn Golf Course in December 2000. Oscar Pistorius is back in court in South Africa this morning following the death of his girlfriend. The sprinter's legal team is applying for bail. He denies murdering Reva Steenkamp, whose funeral will take place later. Nestle has removed some Butoni products from supermarket shelves in Italy and Spain after traces of horse DNA were found in beef meals. The company says it's identified a problem with a supplier from Germany. The councillor responsible for Hertfordshire's roads is refuting claims he's putting back, uh, pulling back on pothole repairs. Speaking earlier on the programme, Conservative Stuart Pyle challenged claims from the Lib Dem councillor for Wellin, Malcolm Cowan, that he'd only be inspecting main roads and expected residents to report the rest. No, that's not what happened at the meeting. Malcolm asked a question about street lighting. No, I didn't. I didn't uh, mention street we, lighting. We Stuart, I didn't mention every street lighting. single road on the 20-day cycle. So that, that's okay. never changed. And if that answer came out last week, and we'll check the minutes for that, um, then that was incorrect because we are inspecting all roads as we normally would do and as we have to under the contract. Elderly residents of sheltered flats in Luton are being told their mementos are a health and safety risk. The Borough Council has ordered pensioners at Wheatfield Court to remove all personal paintings and ornaments from shared areas, insisting it's for their own good. Resident Graham Wright isn't so sure. It'll be like a prison in here, aren't we? It'll be like walking down the corridors of Woodhill in Milton Keynes. Are they coming round on Wednesday, putting bars up against the windows, changing it to HMP Wheatfield Court? Who knows? And as we heard in the last few minutes, the Luton councillor in charge of housing, Tom Shaw, has said his officers have mishandled the situation and he'll be looking into a compromise. Manchester United are still in the hunt for three trophies this season after a 2-1 win over Reading saw them move into the quarter-finals of the FA Cup and set off a last-eight meeting with Middlesbrough or Chelsea. Nani scored one goal and created another for Javier Hernandez before Joby Makinoff pulled one back for Reading. The weather foggy and frosty this morning but drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 7 degrees Celsius. That's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Very rarely do I blow my own trumpet, mainly because I don't have one. But but if you miss, if you just tuned in and you missed the last hour, oh, I would I would have have a little listen again on the iPlayer later on if you can between seven and eight. Don't worry about the first hour; it's slow to start. Seven and eight. Uh, some amazing stories, very powerful stuff. Uh, um, some tears, some laughter, a little bit of everything in there. Lots more coming up between now and nine o'clock, including. A Hertfordshire couple are refusing to move to a smaller council house because one of the bedrooms is dedicated to their son who died ten years ago. How much sympathy do you have for them? 
Well, lots of you are having your say on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR, and we'll have a little look at those later on. Oscar Pistorius will appear in court for a second time later this morning. In fact, I think he's in court already now in connection with the death of Areva Steenkamp, his girlfriend. We'll preview what's likely to happen next. And have you noticed many potholes around beds, hearts and bucks? Well, you might have to fill them in, according to opposition councillors in Hertfordshire. We'll find out where some of the worst ones are with our pothole correspondent, JD Justin Dealey. 08459 four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple from Hertfordshire are refusing to move to a smaller council house because they haven't changed their son's room since he died from cancer ten years ago. Cheryl and Michael Chapman have lived in the same three-bedroom house in Welland Garden City for 23 years. Due to bedroom tax changes coming into effect in April, they've now been told to downsize or pay £31 extra a week. Well, Cheryl was speaking to our reporter, Jessica Cooper. This was his um, fifth birthday. He was mad into Batman, absolutely crazy over Batman. Um, this was when he went to Windsor Savari Park. So, and that was um, not long before he passed away. That's when Alicia Dixon... As you can see in the photo, that, we're, we're in the that bedrooms room. Yeah. exactly the same. Even the poster of Britney Spears is still on the wall. So this has kind of been stuck in a time kind of freeze yeah. since he died. This yes, room. it has. Yes, yes, it has. Yeah. Some people might think ten years is is quite a long time to have kept a room the same. Is that difficult to hear? Do you, do you feel like it's been a long time? No, because it still feels like yesterday. When you lose, you're not meant to outlive one of your children. Yeah, you're not meant to outlive one of your kids and um, you never get over it. No matter how many people turn and say to you, don't you think it's time to move on? Don't you think you should get over it? It's, you can't ever get over the loss of a child. Well, in Hatfield Borough Council said it sent out advice letters to people affected by bedroom tax changes, but if the Chapmans wish to remain in their property and receive less housing benefit, then by all means, this is their choice, and no-one will put pressure on them to move to a smaller property. Well, Alison Thompson is head of Children and Young People Bereavement Services for the charity Cruise, based in Bedford. Morning, Alison. Good morning. Do you hear this kind of thing often where parents have uh, uh, have set up their child's bedroom as a shrine after they've passed on? Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite a common thing and it's something that we've been doing, uh, well, since caveman times really, is, is, is um, having memorials and, you know, uh, places of remembrance within the home, typically bedrooms, to, to the loved one. So, yeah, it's quite a common, it is quite a common thing. Cheryl's been doing this for ten years, mm-hmm. and part of me thinks, with the greatest respect, that that can't be healthy for her and her husband. I think, it, I mean, it's, it's very much down to the individual, um, um, you know, how, how long that they, that they keep something the same uh, as when the person died. I mean, and there is this, this, this argument that we, we continue bonds with the person who's died but i think sometimes if you keep something very much the same as it was when the person died it can sometimes and i'm not saying that that's the case Mm -hmm. here but it can sometimes make the um kind of recovery process of grief a little more difficult i mean you'll never forget 
the the child. I mean, my my mother and father lost um, a child, lost my older sister, and, and you never forget. But there is there is sometimes there are are things that that can help us. Um, to move towards that acceptance and that there is something isn't there in, in kind of the, the, the pulling off the plaster method where you, you kind of d- d- do things very quickly to have that massive blast of pain but then it, it makes it easier to kind of come out the other side and you're right not forget never forget because that that person is always going to be with you in photographs in your spirit in, if you've got religious beliefs you know in that kind of kind of thing but but to, to not be able to it just feels that they're, that they're stuck by having that bedroom as it was 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, and you can hear, um, you can hear the grief is, is, mm. very, is very raw in, in the voice this morning. Um, you know, it, it is very, like I say, it's very much into, up to the individual, but if, if there are, you know, there, there are things that are preventing somebody from moving on by virtue of the fact that that the bedroom is is kept the same it it can prove difficult for that for that process of grief to, to evolve really we spoke to i think it was Jeannie earlier on whose daughter had uh, had committed suicide about 9 or 10 years ago and Jeannie had kept a car that she kind of connected with her daughter the car wasn't necessarily that significant to her daughter but she just couldn't um face the thought of someone else in there and someone else getting memories with with with, with families i'm trying i don't want to say it sounds it does sound weird and i don't want to, i don't mean that in a demeaning way you know i don't want to be disrespectful but it's odd isn't it what we cling on to to try and bring ourselves closer to those that we've lost yeah and i don't think it's so much about bringing us closer to the ones we've lost i think it is about that continuation mm. of the bond with the person who's died after death you know and and people do collect what what to the outsider must seem very very you know peculiar but but they do hold on to things that have significant memories and there is and it is very common for people to say well i've kept that because you know it was you know my daughter's or or my mother's and i don't want anybody else to to use it or because it was theirs and it, it seems that that you know that thing that object is providing you know, that is facilitating that continuing bond the most. So it, it can be peculiar what some mm. people might construe as quite bizarre, but it's actually very, very important for the person who's been bereaved. Is it different, um, uh, the, the things we kind of, we, we hang on to when you lose a child as opposed to losing a parent? Because the natural order is you lose your parents, you're not meant to lose your children. D- d- does that make us deal with things differently? I think it's, it's very much, to, uh, again, it's very individual. It's you know, when, when when parents lose children, then they, they tend to keep hold of the, you know, the favourite teddy bear or the favourite card game or, you know, like the lady was saying this morning about keeping the photos, the posters up on the wall. You know, these are all things that are very particular normally to, to the age of the child when they died, whereas with adults, you tend to find that they've obviously accumulated a lot more stuff, a lot you know, a lot more possessions, you know, by virtue of, of living longer into adulthood. So that there's, uh, there's a greater variety of things to pick from as, you know, salient to that person, really. Alison, thanks very much for your time. It's Alison Thompson, who's uh, Head of Children and Young People Bereavement Services for the charity Cruise based in Bedford. Well, you've been having your talk about this on, on Facebook, uh, about this, this couple who um, will have to pay an extra £30 a week due to the inverted commas bedroom tax, which is a slightly lazy name for it, but it, it, it makes it easier for us all to kind of grasp exactly what it is. 
Um, they've been keeping their bedroom, their son's bedrooms as a shrine, even though he died 10 years ago. Uh, Lauren says, I've no sympathy for them. If they want a th- three-bedroom house, then do what most of us hard-working people do, buy your own. It's not their house, they rent from the council. As for leaving the light on every day, turn it off and then put the money towards the room rent tax. Javain says, it's sad and I sympathise with their loss, but so is the fact that dozens of families are homeless. They need to move on with their lives after 10 years, whether it's both of them working or moving. Times are hard and maybe this will make them move on with their lives. Carol says, I feel sorry for them, but it's now time to move on. Start by turning the light off. It'll be a start. The next is to move. We all grieve differently, but they need to move on now. Get some counselling and live a healthier life. Uh, And Neil says, it's very sad about their loss, but in a time of other families being stuck in undersized properties, the property should be used by a family that needs the space. Their loss of their son shouldn't be used to tug at heartstrings to get what they want. Um, Paul Flittick on the text says, it's not a bedroom tax, it's a reduction in the handouts that people get if there are not enough of them to justify the extra room. Calling it a tax is an insult to taxpayers who fund their handouts through the taxes. Whereas Yenda, last one for the moment, in Sundon Park, says it's nothing short of callous to remove Cheryl from the home. Well, they're not being removed, they're giving the option of pay extra or maybe you'd like to move. What is needed is more social and affordable housing. We're getting to the point where no one can afford a mortgage deposit, yet social housing doesn't appear to increase. Well, after nine, JVS will be continuing to discuss this on his phone, and he's asking, is it reasonable to expect the Chapmans Chapmans to pay bedroom tax? You can start calling him now if you want, 08459 455555, or you can send an email to his show, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Of course, you can still give us a call. I'm here until nine o'clock. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're trying to find. We've been very JD quiet this morning. We'll get Dealey up soon. I, mi- I miss his dulcet Cockney tones. Uh, we'll be sending, uh, speaking to Justin Dealey, who's out and about in the three counties, looking for. I was going to say the best, but that's probably the wrong word, isn't it? looking for the worst potholes that he can find. Before that, here's the travel news with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane is closed and there's still queuing traffic due to recovery work taking place after an accident and fuels village as well. A car and a tanker carrying diesel involved there in the accident. Now it's just between junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines with congestion back to 17 at Maple Cross. Going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch I'm afraid. Anti-clockwise again, very start-stop between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. The Great Cambridge Road heading south through Enfield as well also uh, looking fairly slow just approaching Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road and the Barnet Bypass also slow uh, that's just heading south between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus usual delays there and on the trains delays of 30 minutes on East Coast services between Peterborough and Kings Cross following a signal problem at Kings Cross also affecting First Capital Connect Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Sophie Morning, it's 8.15. It's Tuesday the 19th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Welling couple say they're prepared to go without food to pay bedroom tax rather than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. The jury in the Rachel Manning murder trial have failed to reach a verdict at Luton Crown Court, so there will now be a retrial. In sport, Man U are still in the running for three trophies this season after last night's 2-1 win over Reading saw them move into the quarter-finals of the FA Cup. 
The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Foggy and frosty this morning. Drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 8 degrees. Coming up, councillors in Hertfordshire say residents may soon have to fill in their own potholes. We'll hear from our hole-filling correspondent, Justin Dealey, and find out where the worst potholes are before half eight. Oh, yes. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. BBC Three Counties Radio. There are so many ways to listen to Three Counties Radio. On FM 95.5, 103.8 and 104.5. On AM 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. And now on DAB Digital Radio. Search for us, BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you in more ways than ever. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, oh, Jonathan. Yes. You look so pale. I've not had a good night. What happened? It's true. Well, I went out for dinner last night and uh, had a very nice meal. I bet you did. Really nice. What did you have? I had a steak baguette with chips. Ooh, classy. Yeah, it was really nice. So it's a steak sandwich. It's a steak sandwich. It was delicious. Saves you having to use a knife and fork, which I always find so tiresome. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, And then the dessert menu came out. I'm not really a desserty person. No. I've not got a sweet tooth. But their glistening on this menu was cheese selection Whoa. cheese board oh, I do love a good cheese so board. anyway it was £7.50 this cheese board and oh. I thought well what the hell let's yeah. live on the edge yeah. so I ordered this <laughs> cheese board <laughs> and out came this massive well I ate it Yeah, I've been up all night I've had the sweats Oh, cheese sweats. I've had to take Andrew's liver salts. I've had nightmares. Really? Oh, I've had the worst night's sleep ever. It's I, been horrible. I get the ind- I get indigestion when I have cheese. I don't get cheese sweats. I've had, I've been, it's like I had flu. Really? You look awful, awful now. The cheese coming out of me. It's disgusting. Your sweat, was it all kind of gloopy <laughs> and yellow? <laughs> Cheesy. Cheesy sweats. <laughs> Can I just say, what? thoroughly enjoying this um, hot tub story mm. on your consumer Power. It's it's full of. It's got everything. It's got glamour. It's got big bucks. It's got people in Los Angeles. It's got you getting addresses and phone numbers through secret sources you can't. Refer- it's wonderful. Mm. It's got everything to it. Fascinating. Well, today we have a uh, top lawyer coming on the program oh. to advise. Is it possible to sue this man in America? Yeah. We'll find out after 11. Very, I'm genuine. I think it's one of the best stories you've done, and you're handling it superbly. Really, thanks very much. I think it could be turned into a drama on Radio 4. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be talking to Nick later on. He is uh, the friend of Mr. Sparman. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him after 11 this morning. What have you got coming up at 9 o'clock? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, uh, continuing this story that uh, you've been highlighting this morning, I'm asking, is it reasonable to expect the Chapmans to pay bedroom tax? It's this Welling couple. I know you were speaking to to Cheryl earlier. Mm. Cheryl and Michael Chapman have lived in a three-bedroom council house for 23 years. They haven't touched their son's room since he died of leukaemia 10 years years ago but when the bedroom tax comes into force in april they'll either have to downsize or pay around 30 quid a week Mm. to stay where they are well the question i'm asking from nine is and we're we're continuing this discussion that you've been having this morning i know lots of people want to talk about it is it reasonable to expect the chapmans to pay bedroom tax yes or no your view from nine on the big phone in uh, I can see every side to this this story. I, I do think that ten years is a long time to leave a room like that, and I, 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 I do think it would be healthier if they were able to kind of dismantle that room in some respectful way. Yes, I, I have a friend who uh, her brother died of leukemia when mm. he was seventeen, and 
they moved i think they probably moved about five years afterwards but that move was very difficult for them to do particularly yeah. for for my friend's mum mm. who obviously had lost her son her only son yeah and it was a, a real wrench but i think if they were to to kind of look back on it now they would probably say that that move was actually in some ways helpful yeah because it allowed a kind of a fresh start and it's that's not to say you're forgetting your your son that has that's died the thing, it's, isn't it? it's just making that that break from perhaps very unhappy memories because when someone dies as well I mean, my mum died in in our family home mm. my dad still lives there and there's always those memories there if someone has died at mm. home of that person that you've lost um and i wonder whether sometimes it is better even though you don't feel it at the time to make a break and to to have a fresh fresh start and whether it allows you to kind of move on with your mm. life i guess everyone's different everyone's different jonathan i should be listening uh, 08459 455 555 is the phone number jvs show at bbc.co.uk the bbc in beds hearts and bucks this is bbc three counties radio now We've been JD Light. JD, are you there? Yes, yeah, I've Good missed morning. you. I've missed you, brother. Oh, I've missed you too. It's between seven and eight, it was very, very busy, yes. and <laughs> the, we just couldn't squeeze you in no, and give no, you what you deserve. Great hour. Really enjoyed it. Now, the reason we've got you on, insurers, insurers, the AA, say that the number of cars damaged by potholes in roads has doubled over the last year. Opposition councillors in Hertfordshire claim it may be down to you, not you, Justin. I'm talking <laughs> to the listener now. Although you, you know, maybe we can send you out to yeah, do that maybe. next week. You, dear listener, to fill in some potholes as the council has stopped inspecting all but the main roads. Well, our hole-filling correspondent, Justin Dealey, you've been out finding out where the worst potholes are in the three counties. Absolutely. Where are you now, sir? Ian, I'm in St Albans. As you know, I was desperate to to, to fill a hole this morning, live on air, on your programme, before nine o'clock. You were. I was desperate. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I could see you bouncing around this morning when you came in. You couldn't sit still. You were so desperate. So up for it. But uh, uh, We got tipped off, Ian, that the house lane in Sandridge in St Albans was bad for potholes. Yeah. Really, really bad. When I spoke to you at 6.20, I had my high-vis jacket. That was at the ready. I had my tarmac. That was at the ready. And I wanted to go to work. Well, when I arrived in Sandridge this morning, well, it certainly appears that the council had beaten me to it because after speaking to locals and after driving down House Lane, uh, those potholes were repaired about a week ago. But I have been speaking to people in the village about how bad they were before, and this is what they've had to say. Well, William, we're looking at House Lane here. Uh, you're in the motor trade. Just how bad is that road for potholes? How bad has it been? Oh, it's terrible. It, 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 you bottom your suspension most of the time as you go down there, and there's, there's no width anyway. So you, you, you've got to bounce off the potholes. You've got no choice. And is it the same situation every year? The snow comes, the snow goes, and then we see all the potholes once again? Well, yeah, it's a terrible road. It hasn't got a kerb on it or anything like that, so you just rely on the banks all the time. Well, Mike, you live locally now, but you are from New York. Would you say the potholes in this country are amongst the worst in the world? Well, the worst I've ever seen in my life. And, and the most uncared for with a non-caring community uh, leaders. They don't give a damn. Why do you think that is? Because that's gone out of the, of the vocabulary of this country, which is caring. Just look at your health service and look at everything else. Look at the poor people. Look at what marvellous Mr. Cameron is doing. Okay, getting away from potholes here, because yeah. the potholes is, of course, the main conversation, yeah. but, but getting away from that, some of our listeners may be asking, if this country is so bad, in your opinion, what are you doing living here? 
Uh, I took a wrong turn in the Atlantic. Well, David, we got tips off that House Lane was particularly bad for potholes. Right, Thankfully yeah. for, for, for you and other locals, that's now been fixed in the last couple of weeks. Just how bad was that road for potholes oh, before? Dreadful, dreadful. Uh, it's quite a narrow road anyway, and if an oncoming car was coming, you'd normally have to take evasive action, and nine times out of ten, you'd either hit the potholes or sort of screech to a halt. So. But it must be the same situation every year because we'll be back here next year talking about the potholes because they will be back, won't they? Maybe, yeah, more than likely, actually, more than likely. It's one of these things, isn't it, Justin, that, that we, all, we all kind of see them and we sort of go, oh, potholes, but they are mm. a blooming nuisance. Yeah, they are, absolutely. I spoke to Sharon as well. Um, Sharon said to me, you must go into the city centre, you must go down Brickett Road. That's where I am right now. And yes, one or two potholes, but I wouldn't say anything too dangerous. But uh, we have had a, a few tweets about this as well. Uh, people tweeting in saying uh, where the potholes are in bed, starts and bucks. Red Ant 6, he he says if you head out of Lavenden towards Turvey, just after the 30 miles per hour limit ends there, uh, there's a massive pothole. Uh, also, somebody saying Avebury Boulevard in central Milton Keynes near Escape in the theatre. Uh, Silverdale saying on the Aylesbury A41 um, on the first bit of the dual carriageway there, there's a massive pothole. That's just before College Road. And also Kiss the First saying it's pretty silly on the Newport Road in New Bradwell. So certainly reports of potholes coming in, but of course, Ian, it's nothing new. We have this situation every single year. The roads are pretty bad anyway. The snow then comes. That makes it worse. And then suddenly we see lots of potholes. JD, stay there. I want to talk to you about your knickknacks in a second. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you. David's uh, from Hemel Hempstead. I just want to get David in first. David, where are they bad? Uh, morning to you. Um, yeah, I live in Hemel Hempstead. And uh, one that uh, really um, makes me fed up is uh, the potholes along Malan Avenue, which is the main thoroughfare through our industrial estate, you'd think it would be pretty important to Hemel Hempstead's economy to have a decent road going through the, through the estate. I use it every day. I also, um, as a motorist, I also am a cyclist at weekends and uh, mm. come up Mayland Avenue. It's dangerous. It's the junction of Mark Road, either side of it. It's just, as you have to go around, and you're talking quite a few feet, maybe up to six feet to move around left or right of them, uh, motorists don't understand what you're doing. And if they kill me, then they're going to lose a taxpayer. And don't we pay enough tax for our roads? And that's what the roads are all about. <laughs> David, bless you for, for, for putting... Thank you for that. David, we don't want to lose you. We don't, we, we don't want to lose your tax. But we don't want to lose you, you David, from a Hemel Hempstead. Not in the slightest. It'd be awful. Um, Ian, you should see Pom Park Road in Chesham. Last time I saw it, hardly had any tarmac on it. Worst road I ever saw, says Wendy in Rickmansworth. Let's go back to uh, Justin Dealey, who's not only our whole filling correspondent, you're now our knick-knack correspondent, <laughs> yes. Justin. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story about this, um, the sheltered accommodation, where it's being suggested the residents remove some of their knick-knacks. Yeah. Are you a knick-knack person? If I were to come to Dealey Towers, would I see little China horses on their, their rear feet or or um, uh, the picture of a Chinese lady wearing a, a green blouse? What, what What's your what, what's your pad like, man? Well, somebody mentioned this earlier on about vinyl, didn't they? Uh, am I correct in saying that about vinyl being a knickknack? Is that correct? They were saying that vinyl was a fire yeah. risk. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, in terms of what I've got, I keep things very, very basic. Ian, very basic indeed. Yeah. When you come into my property, it's just full of music, and there's a sofa, and there's a table, and there's a TV, and that's it. And that's about it. You know, Do you have I'm anything? Really you're, you're very down to earth. Yes. Aren't you? You're a man of the people. <laughs> have you got anything kind of ostentatious or? or 
or over the top or, or extravagant? Um, what have I got? Um, in actual fact, I went to the um, Harry Krishna Temple in, in Watford a few months ago because yeah. uh, we're talking about the Beatles anniversary yes. and of course George Harrison. He donated that to the people. I was given a very nice gift there yeah. uh, by the people at the temple and that is in my living room. So that's okay. probably the most outrageous thing that I've got. I tell you I tell you what I don't like. When you go to people's houses and you look in their bedrooms, right, mm-hmm. and they've got ridiculous, like, you know, like chandeliers hanging <laughs> in their bedrooms. That kind of thing, really. Yes, yes, yes. You haven't got anything like that, have you, Justin? Uh, I've got a chandelier. I haven't quite gone as far as the mirrors, but um, no, I've got a chandelier in my bedroom. And uh, yeah, pride of place. I saw that and I thought, yeah, tacky as. I think I'll take that. Thank you very much. You can thank Jonathan Vernon-Smith for giving me the inside yes, info. Into you. I don't know what he's been doing in there, but thank <laughs> Justin, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much. <laughs> Purple plastic. Beds, hearts, and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's Sophie. Anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane is closed and there's still queuing traffic due to recovery work taking place following an earlier accident. A car and a tanker involved between Junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion back to Maple Cross at 17 at the moment. It's going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Anti-clockwise again, still looking start-stop from Junction 28 at the Brook Street Roundabout to 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And also on the A1 heading south through Edgware, queuing at the moment between the Watford Bypass and Mill Hill Circus. Everything else not looking too bad. A few usual delays on the A10, particularly approaching the Black Cat roundabout and also on East Coast services. Don't forget we have 30-minute delays between Peterborough and King's Cross following a signal problem at King's Cross. Also affecting First Capital Connect as well, where there's also disruption. So do check before you travel this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. The reason I shouted purple plastic is Jonathan uh, just just spoke in my ear that apparently Dealey's chandelier in his bedroom is purple plastic. How naff. Speaking of naff, here's the latest news and sports with someone who still thinks Billy Bass is hilarious. It's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8.30. The headlines are well in couples say they're prepared to go without food to pay bedroom tax rather than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. The jury in the Rachel Manning murder trial have failed to reach a verdict at Luton Crown Court, so there will now be a retrial. And Oscar Pistorius is back in court in South Africa, accused of the murder of his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp, whose funeral will take place later today. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are into the last eight of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading at Old Trafford last night. Javier Hernandez scored the decisive goal. And now out towards the far side and the goal scorer Nani. Nani's cross, Hernandez 2-0. Nani this time the provider. And Hernandez with a header that he couldn't really miss with from point blank range. Manchester United 2, Reading 0. After being knocked out of the FA Cup by Blackburn over the weekend, there's a huge game for Arsenal in the Champions League tonight. Arsene Wenger's side hosts Bayern Munich in the first leg of the last 16 tie, with Wenger urging his side to prove the critics wrong. Watford are at Ipswich tonight in the Championship with defender Joel Joel Ekstrand back in the squad. The Hornets are third in the table at the moment and Watford scored four on their travels on Saturday. But manager Gianfranco Zola says he won't be afraid to make changes tonight. You cannot play at the same level three games in a week, in seven days. That is important. Not only you cannot play them at the same level, but you uh, you can risk a lot of injuries uh, because the intensity of the games is so high. 
Stevenage play Oldham at home in League One tonight and Luton Town are set to make changes for tonight's conference match at Macclesfield. Players uh, cup-tied on Saturday will return to the team. Nathaniel Roe-Turner is back from suspension and Wayne Thomas is also available. Manager Paul Buckle has one clear goal. Keep a clean sheet is the biggest thing on the agenda. I think that's the one thing that's let us down away from home. Earlier in the season we were very solid, um, which gives us a good platform, I think. Of late, the last two uh, away games conceding a goal the way we did was disappointing so I think we need to uh, we need to get back to clean sheets and that's your latest news and sport more from me at nine o'clock what kind of, you, I bet you got some right tat don't you I C- have not ceramic panthers <laughs> I haven't I was just imagining that's the sort of thing that Justin might have in his bedroom not that I imagine his bedroom a lot <laughs> you finished I think I better on FM AM and online <laughs> BBC Three Counties oh. Radio <laughs> Coming up in the next 30 minutes, the Olympic and Paralympic athlete Oscar Pistorius is appearing in court in South Africa now to apply to be released on bail before his murder trial. Our reporter Gavin Lee will give us the news on all the latest developments in that case. And we're continuing to talk about potholes this morning. Where are the worst ones in the three counties? I'll be speaking to the Asphalt Industry Alliance to find out why it's so difficult for councils to keep on top of them. But back to this Oscar Pistorius story, which really is one of the most remarkable news stories to, to come out in a while. Pistorius is appearing in court for a second time in connection with the death of Reva Steenkamp, his girlfriend, who he's accused of murdering at his home in Pretoria. The Paralympian has denied the charge and is applying for bail. The court appearance comes on the same day as uh, Reva Steenkamp's family will hold a service for her. Well, BBC reporter Gavin Lee has the details. Gavin, what, what's the latest? Money, let me... Money and let me bring you right up to date because um, as I speak, the defence are just putting out their uh, case. But um, about 20 minutes ago, Oscar Pistorius walked into the courtroom, the magistrate's court in Pretoria. Um, the judge asked if he was well. He replied in a quiet voice that he was. The um, a number of photographers were taking pictures. The judge, the magistrate, told them to, to stop. That no filming would be allowed. And the prosecution then outlined these details. And bear with me, there's, there's a fair amount of detail here. But they said that. Reva Steenkamp arrived expecting to spend the night of Oscar Pistorius into Valentine's Day morning. Um, that she was in the bathroom, she was seven metres from the bedroom, and there's a passage that links the bathroom to the bedroom. A door to the toilet was broken from the outside. The prosecution inferred that the bathroom door had been locked, and Oscar Pistorius, they say, had told a friend he thought it was a burglar, and they say, how could it have been a friend? Why would a burglar lock himself in the bathroom? And they then say the athlete armed himself, uh, put on his prosthetic, he fired four shots and three of them hit her through the bathroom door. The defence team is now speaking, this is what they've said in the last couple of minutes, that uh, Oscar Pistorius intends to tell the court everything that happens, there's not a concession that it was murder, and that they've said it was a cold and unfortunate fact that she was shot through the toilet door, and they've questioned whether it would be reasonable to infer that he would know it was Reva. Uh, and briefly to mention that they, the prosecution are arguing it's uh, what's called a Schedule 6 crime, which is premeditated pre-planned usually um, in a schedule six case in africa it involves a hitman or a lot of planning the defense say it's a schedule five crime which is a crime at a moment or, or crime of passion and uh, both of them you know have a very different effects and determine whether or not he will be given uh, bail today before his trial starts where is pistorius he's, obviously he's in court 
now, isn't he? He's in court now, yeah. He's, he argued that he shouldn't be, uh, on Friday, spending any time in a, a jail, that it wouldn't be fair to put his case together, given he, how distraught he was, and that he says this is an accident, how traumatised he was. So he spent the last few days in a police station, a small sort of two-cell police station, shared cell in Pretoria. Um, and, as I say, he's, he's currently speaking. Andrew Harding, one of the, the few correspondents in court right now of our colleagues, uh, has just sent, sent me a message to say that uh, Oscar Pistorius, while his defence team are speaking, has got his head in his hands, he's uncontrollably crying, um, and you know he, he has a, a very sort of strained look on his face. And you know, this is, I, I suppose, the first sense, isn't it, that of, of any, after all the, of the speculation in the last few days, the, 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 both of the evidence from both sides, which you know we now know is clear that she was in the bathroom and she was shot three times. And there have been, I mean, the front pages of the news is, the newspapers, there's lots of comments and speculation and guesswork about the case. Yeah, it's a completely different legal system. In South Africa, there's no jury. Um, I mean, they haven't had a jury since the 30s, and that's why, you know, I, I, the idea is that the legal system, judges are there to be immune from influence. So in South Africa, it's common that, you know, papers say what they want. There are some more trusted papers than others. I mean, mm. there's a couple of strains of, of, of um, perhaps uh, lines that are c- continually being followed up by the South Africans and the British at the moment. One is rumours of anabolic steroids that are found uh, allegedly on the bedside of Australia of Astorius that exacerbated the crime to which the police yesterday said they had no details of that but they couldn't discount it uh, and also a cricket bat that another weapon that could have been used and DNA of hers found on that again they've said they couldn't discount it but it's not come from the police Gavin thanks very much uh, indeed across beds hearts and bucks this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio Back to this family, this uh, this couple who um, have left their deceased son's bedroom as a shrine. He died ten years ago uh, from leukaemia, uh, and they've kept his bedroom pretty much as it was. And they will then be uh, forced to pay an extra £30 a week because of this bedroom tax. It's not quite a bedroom tax, and loads of you are on uh, the Facebook kind of saying, it's not a bedroom tax. It means a reduction in their benefits. I know... And I think most of us know that. It's kind of a, a slightly lazy shorthand. It gets the message across. Anthony, for example, says, it's not a bedroom tax. As ever, Labour is uh, trying to label this as a class thing. No sympathy. They have a choice. They've made it. End of. Trying to sensationalise a good move by the government is the BBC being too left-wing, in my opinion. Well, I don't think it's, it's, it's us being left-wing, Anthony. This story is happening. And... Um, we're telling him, and we're, we're telling you about the story, and allowing you to make up your mind. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm guiding you either way, whatsoever. And yeah, bedroom tax. I feel slightly uncomfortable using it, but it is. It's a shorthand that we all pretty much understand what it is, don't we? I think. Katie says they need grievance counselling. Put their son's things into a box so they still keep the things close to them and turn off the light. I feel sorry for them, but it's time to move on. The memories of his things will still be there if they keep them. They don't need his room to remember him. And Amanda on Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR says, How desperately sad. I can't imagine how they must be feeling to think that doing this is the answer to dealing with their loss. Poor people. They need some professional help before someone rips their world out from under them. Um, Bill is in Wooten. Morning, Bill. Good morning, Ian. Bill, what's, you used to be a, a housing officer, did you? I did, yeah. What's your take on this story and this couple? Well, it's very interesting. This can only lie in the government's pockets, really, because uh, in housing, at the moment, it, it's terrible trying to house people anyway. I mean, 
you know, you've got lots of people on the waiting list, you've got people in crowded places. The silly part about this is that um, older people, especially, who've got memories in their house uh, and they've got more rooms, bedrooms than they need, are going to have to pay to keep those memories. Now, you can't downsize them because there isn't enough one-bedroom places anywhere uh, to downsize them. And even if they did, they've got to get rid of most of their belongings uh, that they've had all over those years. So it's not just the memory of the house, it's the belongings. And the worry that I've got as an ex-housing officer is the only properties that ever really become available uh, are bedsits. Now, you imagine going from a, a, a three-bed house with all the memories and all the furniture and being put in a bedsit. I mean, that's absolutely dreadful. Um, even the bedsits are not readily available because there's a lot of homeless people in those. So the only person who can ever win out of this is the government because they will force people into paying it because there'd be no other option. You can't, you can't downsize any further, really, than the bedsit unless you put a tent in the back garden. But I think what, what people have to remember, Bill, uh, is that the, the, these people don't own these houses. They don't own their flats. They're, no, not, they're not theirs. That's absolutely true. And it's silly, really, isn't it? If you're a, if you're a homeowner and you're uh, in single occupancy, you get a rebate for that on your, on your rates, which seems to fly the opposite, doesn't it? So no doubt they'll get onto that one next and, uh, and you won't get any rebate for single occupancy. Bill, thank you very much. Bill in Wooten. Wooten. Uh, Karen has emailed uh, 3cr at bbc.co.uk Just over five years ago our daughter died at the age of 17 She would have been 23 this Friday I want to say Ian I hope no one has to go through what me and that lady is going through To say pack up her son's belongings is so easy until it happens to you then it's different I miss my daughter every day I live in fear of it happening again as I have another daughter Ian life is cruel and horrible Regards Karen Tell me about it Trust me I know. Shall we have a look at the front pages of the newspapers? Let's have a little look. Thank you for that email, Karen. I appreciate uh, all of you being very honest and telling me your stories. And uh, it means a lot that you feel you can trust me with them. So thank you for that. The Daily Telegraph. Oh, we've not mentioned Richard Briers. We've not mentioned Richard Briers. His voice was like, always reminded me of Ginger Cake. Oh, he passed away at the age of 79. Um, and there's a lovely picture on the front page of the Telegraph with him, uh, with Felicity Kendall. Um, so, yeah, that's sad. Uh, right to light under threat in planning law shake-up. Historic laws which guarantee householders the right to enjoy the light which comes into their homes could be scrapped to encourage the building of large developments. It was announced yesterday. What, 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 what? In a new assault on planning rules, the Law Commission began a consultation which is backed by ministers which could lead to the centuries-old entitlement to daylight being ditched to stop homeowners home holding up building projects um, and taking up the tango classes could be the perfect way to rid yourself of anxiety stress or depression yeah i don't think so the times there's some blank faced models on the front michelle dockery rosie huntington whiteley and frida pinto blank faced bland models i don't know quite know what they're doing there uh, nhs failings cause 1600 child deaths every year um, and more about richard Briers. What else have we got here? They're all over the shop. The Independent, Richard Briers. Um, the fibre fallacy. Dieters wildly misled by calorie count labelling. Some foods may contain up to 25% more calories than their labels claim, nutritional experts have warned. Wowzers. Does anyone really like... Does anyone actually look at the calories and go, oh, oh that's got a 632 calories. It means I can have that, but I can only have half of that. Does anyone do that? 
That, that, that seems a crazy way to, to live your life. Uh, and revealed Russia's double dealing on arms to Assad. Uh, it's all depressing news today. Briars again on the front page of The Guardian. Ministers offer nuclear reactor deal until 2050. Energy firms may get 40-year backing after government U-turn on subsidies. Calorie count is inaccurate on many foods by up to 25%. The Daily Express, mum of 11, gets free six-bed house, and it's you who will pay the £400,000 bill. And why Britain didn't wake up to Susanna? There was a strike at the BBC yesterday. Uh, the Daily Mail, Booker Prize winner's venomous attack on Kate, a plastic princess designed to breed. She is a double Booker Prize winner, the darling of the literary establishment, and Hilary Mantel has used her position among the novel-writing elite to launch an astonishing and venomous attack on the Duchess of Cambridge. Mantel, whose latest books are set in the Tudor court, dismissed Kate as a machine-made princess, designed by committee. Mantel also scorned her as a personality-free shop window mannequin. It says here, mannequin, uh, Mantel, 60. Why do we need to know her age? Why do they put the age in in those stories? Uh, and the son, um, palace fit for a doll queen. A jobless mum on benefits is having a £400,000 council house built for her and her brood of 11 children. 08459 455 555. 8.44, loads of the newspapers. Here's the travel with Sophie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same at the moment. Anti-clockwise on the M25. One lane closed and queuing traffic due to the recovery work. Following an earlier accident, a car and a tanker involved between Junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Still going to take you an hour to get through that stretch, though, as the uh, congestion is back to 17 at Maple Cross. Clockwise also still slow between 22 at St Albans and 23 at the A1M. And the Great North Road heading south through Roxton. Also queuing just between at the Great Barford Bypass and the Black Cat Roundabout. While heading south on the Watford Way, also queuing between the Watford Bypass and Mill Hill Circus. And the A10 southbound at Great Cambridge Road. Also still looking fairly slow between College Road and Winston Churchill Way as well. Everything else really not looking too bad, actually moving fairly nicely out there at the moment. We do, however, still have delays of 30 minutes on East Coast services between Peterborough and King's Cross following a signal problem at King's Cross, causing disruption as well on First Capital Connect. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 8.45, Tuesday the 19th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Welling couple say they're prepared to go without food to pay bedroom tax rather than give up the room they've been keeping in memory of their late son. Oscar Pistorius is back in court in South Africa this morning, accused of the murder of Riva Steenkamp, his girlfriend, whose funeral will take place later today. In sport, Manchester United will face Middlesbrough or Chelsea in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup after a 2-1 win over Reading at Old Trafford. And coming up, before nine, we'll speak to John Bullock from the Asphalt Industry Alliance about why potholes appear and what's being done to help the problem. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It's been a bit of a frosty and a foggy start to the day. The fog now starting to disperse. Lots of sunshine breaking through. Do watch out there. There are still some rather dense patches out there, so visibility is still pretty poor in some areas. So uh, do allow a little bit of extra time, I think, for your journey. But now starting to disperse nicely. The sunshine coming out, brightening up just about everywhere. And certainly through the afternoon, we'll see plenty more long spells of sunshine too. Temperatures up to 6 or 7 degrees Celsius. That's 45 
five in Fahrenheit for Luton, Ellsbury and Hartford as well. So not a bad looking day, certainly in a sunny spot because the winds will be fairly light as well. Things are going to change though for the rest of the week, starting tonight. Now we will see a little bit of um, a little bit of frost perhaps just as the sun goes down. It will be quite a cold start to the night. And then the breeze will pick up. We'll see the cloud increase and perhaps a few outbreaks of drizzle as well. This is a very weak weather front pushing in from the east. Um, so by the time we start the day tomorrow, it will be a milder start, probably at around 2 or 3 degrees Celsius, quite windy too. The temperatures aren't really going to rise very far tomorrow though. Highs of only 3 or 4 degrees into the afternoon. Lots of cloud around, a little bit of brightness at times. Not the lovely sunshine though that we'll see today. And of course that rather raw, bitter um, easterly breeze too. That's going to be with us for the rest of the week. It's going to background to a northerly, bringing down some very cold air from the Arctic. So I'm afraid for the rest of half term, yes, it's going to be mostly dry, but it is also going to be very cold. It's going to be quite gloomy and murky with it. Plenty of cloud and a very strong wind too. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Tonight, there's three games, six teams, and one place to hear them all. Three County Sport offers you live commentary on Ipswich versus Watford. Goes for the far corner and scores! Abernathy makes no mistake this time! Macclesfield against Luton. Martin gets in the cross and the header is in for Andre Gray! And Stevenage Oldham. A race shot, well, it's fast in, and Stevenage have found the lead already! Three games live on Three County Sport. Tonight from 7, BBC Three Counties Radio. Insurers, the AA, say the number of cars damaged by potholes in roads has doubled over the last year. Well, opposition councillors in Hertfordshire claim it may be down to you to fill in some potholes as the council uh, has stopped inspecting all but the main roads. Well, John Bullock is from the Asphalt Industry Alliance. Morning, John. Good morning, Ian. Why do potholes appear? (laughs) Well, potholes, I'm afraid, are a symptom of a bigger problem with our local authority road network in particular. I mean, what we've experienced is decades of underfunding and therefore not putting enough money into maintaining the roads. Uh, The road starts to fail and the pothole is a symptom of that failure starting, so to speak, in the structure below. So it's, it's rubbish roads? I'm afraid it is, but, I mean, when you look at it, a lot of our roads, particularly local authority roads, a lot of them haven't been surfaced for 50, 60 years. I mean, the life of a normal road surfacing will probably be about 20, say, 20, 30 years. So we've got some very old roads in terms of their surfaces. So I'm afraid we've got to expect them to eventually um, wear out and have to be replaced. It's, it's made worse, isn't it, by the bad weather? So if we get some... There always seem to be more potholes after it's been snowing or wet. Oh, yes, it is, yes. You get, you get a problem. If you get a, a small crack in the road, so a little bit of water gets in there in the winter... Uh, the water freezes and it starts to break up the surface, then more water gets in, gets down into the structure of the road, and that can create even worse damage, and you're not actually seeing some of that. As the heavy goods vehicles go over it, they sort of pump the water and damage the structure of the road and creates a bigger problem. How difficult are they to patch? Because there was a stretch of road I used to live on, quite a busy bit of road, uh, and there were big potholes. The fellas would come and fill it. Three weeks later, the potholes will be back. What, 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 were they doing something wrong? Were they dodge pots? <laughs> well, what they should be doing is you, you look at a pothole typically and you see, right, OK, you've got an area here, a hole. So you'd normally cut it back into, into a bigger square hole to get back to something solid, as solid as it can be. You then paint it with, a, with the black bitumen, or as some people call it, tar, and then you fill it with a hot asphalt mix and compact it properly. Now, if it's done effectively and properly, 
they will last. I wouldn't say they'll necessarily last for many years, but they'll certainly last for a year or so. Um, but what it really needs is it really needs is the money coming in to do a proper resurfacing. Because I don't know if you, you know this, but it, when you're filling potholes on a road, it's actually 20 times more expensive longer term to fill in potholes than it is to come along and resurface the road properly. I tell you, one of the best smells in the world, John, <laughs> is a, a freshly tarmacked road when, it's ra- when it rains. Um, yes, I must admit, I it's must, there one are of the, a few people that do enjoy it. It's one of the best. Can, can I buy that smell anywhere? You, is, that, is that sent for sale? Well, no, I think the way you can get that probably is to get somebody, get the, uh, the gangs out to resurface the road outside. And hang on a second, smell. you're coming, from, you're, hang on a second, I just realised you're the Asphalt Industry Alliance, you're trying to tout for work, aren't you? Of course you want more roads resurfaced. Well, uh, we, want, we want the roads repaired. I'm a driver the same as everybody else, and I almost actually damaged one of my wheels on the car the other day, only by luck yep. did I actually miss the hole. Oh, it's that, that bump when you've gone over it, you think, oh, nuts, I didn't see that. What, what happens in other countries? We heard from a, a, a cyclist who said the roads in France are fantastic. How come the French are getting it right and we're not? Well, I think a lot of comment has come, come that way about the, the uh, mainland European roads. I mean, we've got to remember that quite a few of our roads, particularly the, uh, the major routes, they've got a, a heavy, or a lot of heavy traffic and a high volume of heavy traffic. And it's the high volume of very heavy goods vehicles that actually creates the damage to the road. It's not the cars, it's the, the heavy lorries. So apart from resurfacing the roads, uh, John, is there anything we can do? Um, we need, no, in, in reality, no. We need the money from the government to get the roads sorted because we'll, we'll all be having to fork out a lot more money the cost of this repair work is going up year on year. John, thanks very much. John Bullock from the Asphalt Industry Alliance. I suspect he may have had an agenda there, but it was, a, it was an interesting chat. That's a great smell. Freshly tarmacked road when it rains. Oh, man, it's, it's even better than cut grass. It's almost as good as bonfires. Wonderful smell. Steve's in Luton. Steve, you, you've uh, spotted some potholes, have you? Yeah, there's a few on the eight, uh, eight six. Uh, there's some near Morrison's in that Regis. Uh, we've done all that work around them roads and haven't seen the field of potholes around just past the, um, that area. Baffles me. And why do they fill the big holes and leave the little holes? Why don't they fill all the holes at the same time? Are, are they retarded or what? Well, I don't, I don't think that's a word we can bandy around these days particularly, uh, Steve, but, but, but thank you very much for that. Yeah, it, it does seem odd, doesn't it, if, that um, they will, the big ones will be done and the small ones kind of ignored. The small ones are just as dangerous, if not more so. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't bandy that word around as, as, as freely as perhaps we did in the 80s, Steve. But your point is taken. Thank you very much uh, for that. Sue in Wellingarn City has texted in 81333. Start your text 3CR. For this show, I don't know what the rules are on the other shows. For this show, include your name on the text. Otherwise, it won't get read out. Uh, my daughter has just moved. She lives... Uh, she lives at number 24 between number 8 and number 40 there is, I'm just making sure that the street name isn't it there, is about, there are about 10 potholes in that stretch some as big as manhole covers and at least 3 to 4 inches deep wowzers on the subject of this bedroom tax uh, bedroom tax uh, I, I know it's kind of a slightly lazy description but we know what we're talking about when we say that this couple uh, their son died 10 years ago Anthony died 10 years ago from leukemia at the age of 14 they kept his bedroom as a shrine three bedroom house they are going to have to either pay 30 pounds a week extra or they're going to have to move and they don't want to move so the mum said they would would rather go without food to, to cover this cost than, than to move 
uh, on the text, and he says the bedroom tax should never have been introduced. It was defined, uh, declined by the House of Lords, but the House of Commons overrules them. This should never have been allowed to happen. I believe it's against our constitution. Technically, we don't have one. I know, but technically. This is the same with the whole of the welfare bill. I have complete sympathy for the lady. Facebook, mixed opinions on Facebook. Some of you completely supporting them. Some of you saying, come on, jog on. This is a great tax. This is a great uh, change to the benefit system. Gary says, why should they move? They'll only put a single mum with kids claiming on on the state in there so they won't be saving any money. Jenny, it's a desperately sad situation. I feel sorry for them. It's not a bedroom tax. It's a reduction in benefits. And who pays for those benefits? Us. Many of us work and can't afford a three-bedroom house because we don't qualify for benefits or subsidies. Being bereaved does not give anyone the right to be selfish. Um, I think it does give you the right to be a little bit selfish to be honest, or to expect to be better accommodated than a whole family who have to be squeezed into too small housing. I do feel this couple need counselling. Nobody expects them to move on and forget their beloved son, but he lives within them and within their memories, not in a physical place. Yes, we all keep mementos of loved ones who have passed, uh, but, to want to, uh, but to want to unfairly hold on to a property desperately needed by someone else is a bit too much in my opinion. Uh, I appreciate that promise was made to their son, but why? Did they never consider that house might be too much for them in the future? Drake says on the Facebook, and you can go on the Facebook all day, even when we are off air, you can go and have a little look and a little argument. Play nice on there, don't be rude. Be forthright, be argumentative, but don't be rude. That's the only thing. Uh, Drake says people will be forced into private sector housing, which is more expensive to the taxpayer and is unregulated. A report out in 2011 highlighted that over half of private sector rental properties did not match council standards, with a quarter being dangerous. Before such a policy can be applied, the fundamental flaws in the housing supply need to be rectified. However, under this government, house building has slumped to the lowest level since the war. What has also been missed is that residents who are protected with a lifetime tenancy currently will be moved to a short-term tenancy. The council tenant is being attacked from all angles by this heartless and useless government. They really are living up to the tag of the nasty party. There is the argument. I think my voice is going. Wowzers. Luckily, I'm having two days off. I know. Part-timer. Back on Friday. Uh, There is an argument, though. That these people, they don't own these houses. I've got a mortgage. I have to pay for my house. I have to work hard to pay for my house. They don't own these houses. Well, coming up um, uh, with JVS later on, after nine o'clock, he'll be asking, is it reasonable to expect the Chapmans to pay the bedroom tax? And if you miss the interview uh, that I did with Cheryl Chapman, it was pretty strong stuff. Uh, you can hear um, bits of it on the JVS show next, which is uh, as always nice to hear. And of course, if you missed any of the show, uh, you can go to the BBC iPlayer. If you look for Three Counties and Ian Lee, it's I-A-I-N-L-E-E. You can have a little look and you can listen to uh, to any of the shows there. And just on the emails, while I'm giving you out all this information, if you have any stories that you think we should be covering, a lot of these stories, they come through the team of hardworking journalists and Justin Dealey's that we have. But also, we quite often get emails or people turning up at the door, or people phoning up saying, here, this is happening, you've not mentioned this. If there's something going on in your life, in your house, in your street, in your town, that you think would make a pretty good story for us to cover on breakfast, or you think warrants a little bit of investigation, or you want to hear me arguing with a councillor on your behalf, you can do that. If you send an email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk, 3cr at bbc.co.uk, 
uh, and put in the subject Ian Lee or breakfast or morning or something like that. No, not morning because JVS will have it. Put Ian Lee. Uh, give us a few details and some contact details and uh, we'll, we'll have a little looky for you and see if it's worthy. You might get to meet Justin Dealey. How exciting is that? Here's the travel with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, we still have one lane closed and queuing traffic at the moment due to recovery work following an earlier accident. Car and a tanker involved between Junction 14 at Heathrow Terminal 4 and 13 at Staines. Congestion back to 17 at Maple Cross. It is going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Also getting reports coming in at the moment that in New Road at Walters Ash, uh, it's closed following an accident, a car and a pedestrian involved at Smaldean Lane. Road was blocked around 8.45 this morning. We'll bring you more on that as and when it comes in. Few usual delays on the A1 and the A10 but nothing's going to cause you too much of a problem half an hour delays however on East Coast services between Peterborough and King's Cross and the same can be said on First Capital Connect Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Sophie, yes you heard me right, I'm having two days off don't judge me, I'll be back on Friday David Prever I think is in tomorrow but stick around because coming up next it's the excellent JVS show, ta-ta Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday's JVS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on today's big phone-in, I know lots of you have been contacting the radio station about this story today. 